And welcome to Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. My name is Ben Townsend from bentownsendmusic.net and I'm joined as always by... Sam Townsend from samtownsendmusic.am samtownsendmusic.themorning, as I like to call it. Anti-meridian. Anti-meridian rather than post-meridian. That's right. Post Malone. Well, indeed, yes. He should change his surname to Meridian. Would the chili still allow him to support them? I think so. Fair enough. Red Hot Chili Peppers. A.M. Yes, did you mean to say Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I find if I can't think of what to say on this podcast, the best thing to say is Red Hot yeah, Chili Peppers. It's a good starting point it's, for uh, It's topical. It is. It's t- and, to say, and to say that today's topic is exciting... Oh, my Christ. ...is... Uh, is an understatement. We are joined today by Mr. Californication Simon Cali at Cali Californication himself. Hello, Simon. Hello, Ben. Pleasure to have you in the pod garage again. Oh, it's a, a pleasure and an honour to be here on such a, uh, an occasion. An auspicious occasion. P and an H. Anyway, if you can't, if you can't, no, if, like, if you can't think of what to say, just say, just say red, red hot chili peppers. Chili peppers. Yeah, right. It's an honour to be here on such a red hot chili peppers occasion. <laughs> Right, anyway. AM, AM, yes. Keiki, have you got any idea what AM is? Mm. All I can think of is um, the an- an- Antigua. The Antigua, no. <laughs> um, it's not Australia, I know that for a fact. That's definitely right. Uh, I'm blanking, a clue. Okay, uh, it contains uh, the, within the, the, the uh, title of this country. So if you can't think of what to say, say, just say. Um, is a body part. Oh, um, the Isle of Man. No, man. That, that, no, really it's a, a full part. body part. <laughs> well, it it's is. the whole body. Yes. The man. I'm going to say I've broken my man. <laughs> <laughs> I've strained my man. <laughs> okay. Red hot chili. So it's not Isle of Man. <laughs> uh, I think it's probably arm. Um, oh yes. Oh uh, arm, um, Simon. Arm. Um, I've, I've got nothing. Red hot chili peppers. It is Armenia. Ah, oh, that's tenuous. What Armenia? Armenia. Yeah, Armenia. Armenia. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> no, it's not tenuous, it's, it's, it's perfect. Because we've had a prolonged break, haven't we? So I thought, I'd get my ass over to Armenia. Oh, yes. Well, that's what you've been doing. I've been trying to contact you, but... Uh, oh, Christ, I've, I've been in Armenia out for of the last three weeks. Yeah, getting out of office, coming back to me. Yeah, lovely country, great people. Lovely people in Armenia. I t- took on Armenian Sally. Really? She runs the office. Does she? Fantastic. She's in charge of the, uh, the website. Cool. Yeah. And the, the address is Sam Townsend at... No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, uh, samtownsendmusic.am. That's cool. right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, head over. It's a fabulous website. Sally's done a great job. Thank you, Sally. Next. Mm. We Let's brook, get down to business. We brook no time wasting on this podcast. Next up is the result of one of the most difficult quizzes, one of the most difficult competitions in all of history. Yes, but without doubt, our, our biggest uh, ever competition in terms of entrance. It was a big competition, and it was... <laughs> Very difficult. I, I'll tell you what, it's um, evidence of how difficult this competition was mm. that you had to guess, in order to win the wonderful book, Out in LA, Red Hot Chili Peppers, 1983. Yes. By friend and ambassador Hamish Duncan. Mm. You had to guess what songs these three words came from. Oh, my eyes popped out, my 
Now, of all of the entries that we had, yeah, and that all, uh, and I can tell you that having uh, tallied up the entrants, we had nine hundred and ninety-seven entrants, which is absolutely wonderful. So thank you to everyone who entered. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, that was that was tremendous. It's just testament to how bollocks hard this quiz was. Is that a term? Yes, it, it is, is now. now. How bollocks hard this quiz was. Yes, that only one person got two. Yes, everyone else got one. Everyone else got one. It's incredible. I kept thinking somebody is going to get three, three, no. <laughs> for example, or at least two, so that we can uh, stick them in the stick them in the hat and have a draw. I'm thrilled and pleased and absolutely over the moon to announce that the winner of the signed copy, signed by Hamish, signed by myself, and signed by Samuel, the winner of the Suck My Book competition is Thomas Vincanek Santaguida. Thomas Vincanek Santaguida. Congratulations, I'm, Thomas. It's congratulations, Thomas. If I'm, if I'm mispronouncing your name, apologies. Drop me a message on Instagram with your address and we will get that book sent out to you. Can't winging Can't winging its way to wherever you may be. Mm. Hopefully fairly close to where we live to keep uh, postal. Oh, he, he sounds like he lives in, a, in another foreign country. Climes. Yes. Foreign climes. Yeah, for foreign climes for sure. Foreign land. If he lived in Armenia, which is... Feasible. I could have given it to him while you're out there. Yeah, but we hadn't announced the result of the competition at that no, point. No, so. I was walking around the streets of Armenia, shouting, "Thomas, Thomas, come and get your book." Well, you didn't know it was in then. No, but I was so, still saying that. Yeah, okay. It, it, nothing to do with the competition. Luckily, Thomas wasn't there. <laughs> oh, really? Um, and uh, you know, no one came, so it was fine. Anyway, that's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> he didn't even go to Armenia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, congratulations. That's the end of that. Great competition. Thank you. Yes. Uh, seriously, sincerely to everyone who entered. It was, it was wonderful to see so many well entries. Done. Kind of yeah, well, thank, well done, everyone. And we look forward to announcing the start of our next competition, which is, of course, the uh, doorknob competition. Giving away a doorknob. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't, I, I just can't wait. We can't say what it's called. No, we can't win the count yet, but um, it's going to be fantastic. For obvious reasons. Simon, do you know what the competition's called? Where we uh, give a, well, we've done so far, we gave away a tablecloth. It's called something cloth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's there. Yeah, he's he's, he's got there. it. He's, he's got it. So it's going to be fantastic. We just need to find a, a doorknob manufacturer who who can do what we need him to do. A doorknob of sufficient quality. Yes, uh, but we will. We will. We will search high and low. We will scour the internet's the interwebs. Nay, artisans in the flesh. Well, if needs be, we'll do it ourselves. Yeah, we'll just scratch a, an asterisk into a doorknob. Yes, fine with e- a compass. Easily done. Not a tell-the-direction compass, a no. make-a-circle compass. Yeah, a sharp compass. Cool. Right, well, we are moving on to what we're actually here to talk about today. Episode 100. Episode 100. Whoop, we whoop. all know what that, that means. That's the sound of the police. Go. Whoop, whoop. Sing. Sound of the beast. Sorry, I just had a pocket of gas in my lungs. I'll cover that by doing my singing. Yes. Is that what most people call a burp? Oh, a pocket of gas in your lungs? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, fair play. Is it, does it, come, it doesn't come out of your lungs, does it? It must do. Because it's stomach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, up from the stomach, bypasses the lungs. Yeah. <laughs> the lungs are if full you're of, burping out of your lungs, lungs are, you've got problems. <laughs> the lungs are full of the other air that, we, that is required. The air that we use to sustain our life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you try and sustain your life through uh, what can only be described as stomach gas... We haven't got time to talk about this. <laughs> no, we haven't. It's a separate point. Although we will say oxygen in, CO2 out. 
Exactly, yeah. That's why we need the trees. Absolutely. So, save the rainforests. All trees. Uh, the Adventures of Rainforest Maggie? Mm, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Would have been a better... No, it was great as it was. No, it wasn't. But it could have been. Well, if the song was entirely different. If it, yeah, if it, yes. Anyway, let's not, we won't no, go down we that. mustn't dwell that's on a, that. That's a separate podcast. Absolutely love that album, just not so keen on Rainforest Maggie. I bought that on vinyl recently. Yes, you did, and it sounds absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Just got to say, we do love it. What, the album? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just to make clear. But we're not here to talk about I'm, I'm With You. you. No. We're here to talk about well done. Blood, <laughs> Thank You, Sugar, Sex, Magic. We are doing part one. Sam, you have blood sugar on vinyl. I do. It's inside. I took it inside for some reason. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, we finally got it, to talk about blood sugar. Sex magic. We've taken it for one, one whole minute. I thought we might listen to it earlier, but we didn't. Uh, so we're breaking it down into the vinyl side. So this is part one, and we will be listening to The Power of Equality, If You Have to Ask, Breaking the Girl, Funky Monks, and Suck My Kiss, mm. and looking at them in exquisite detail. Mm. Do want to thank everybody who has emailed in with their thoughts on the album Blood Sugar Sex Magic, their experiences, listen to it, and how much it means to them. We will be reading those on the later parts of Blood Sugar. It's just that this show is pretty truck a block, I'd say. It's full to the brim. Full to the brim. We've got some sensational, I think best ever, drum notes from JJ, Double Fishhooks, Jack Johnson, Magic Johnson, our wonderful drum ambassador. We've got sensational notes from the man who was there, time and place specific, Mr. A. Mace. Mm. And we also have, as podcast first, audio notes with bass ambassador Aidan Hampson, yes. who is actually giving, yep, got it, yes. who is actually playing along. Uh, he's giving us audio examples of how the bass riffs go, bass lines go, breaking them down, playing them slowly for us. It's, it's, a, it's a whole new concept of this podcast. We also We also have fantastic input from uh, RHCP Riffs. Wonderful, wonderful gentleman from a wonderful, wonderful YouTube channel who has mm. been so, so helpful with what equipment John was using, what, what, um, how some of the songs were recorded. He has been an absolute hive of information, a font of wisdom. Yes, a hive of information. A hive of information. Wonderful. What we can say is we've got a veritable smorgasbord of expertise. Yeah, and also we'll be here. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be uh, essentially uh, segueing into the different experts. Mm. Or seeing, if you will. If you will. And uh, just thank you, thank you to everyone, as Ben said, who's written in, and thanks to those guys who will be featured. Yeah, absolutely. So... If you want to email in with your thoughts about blood, blood sugar, please do. We will be reading those out at a later date. Episode two. but for, Well, episode two, three, or even four. So, first of all, we are going to talk a little bit about how the album was conceived, created, recorded, and released. And to that, I'm going to throw to my wonderful brother, Samuel D. Townsend. Well, Ben, what I can tell you, it was released on September the 24th, 1991. On Warner Brothers Records. A first outing on Warner. Can I ask you a question? Sure. You've written these down. Oh, yeah. Which is great. It's not a question Facts. so much as a statement. That's, these are, these are Facts. Written. And, of course, it, well, was, it doesn't was... make them true. I hope... Well, it, it, it depends whether Wikipedia's correct or not, I guess. It wasn't all from Wiki. Fair enough. No, no. <laughs> Just uh, pulling your leg. So, a first outing on Warner. Warner must have been thrilled. We know they were. Because we've just watched Funky Monks. Absolutely. And that guy seems very pleased. He was extremely pleased. That whole thing's snowballing. Yeah. There's nothing in their way. 
There's nothing standing in their way. They recorded it between April and June 1991. Yes, indeed. Fantastic year, and then bought it out just after my birthday. Really? Hang on. It's nice. Yeah, it's some, some sort of hammering. Someone's outside. doing some hammering to celebrate. The length of the album now. Oh, it's <laughs> forensic detail. Seventy-three forty-two. Seventy-three forty-two. That's one hour, thirteen, 13 minutes, minutes and forty-two, 42 seconds. seconds. Produced by Ricky Ricky Rubin. Ricky Rubin, double R. First collab. Yep, and short for collaboration. Lovely. Engineered by Brendan O'Brien. Yes, that's right. I didn't write that down, so you caught me off guard there. <laughs> Maybe, but, but you knew the answer, so why did you ask me? Cheeky. Yeah, it was cheeky. <laughs> singles. We've got a list of oh, singles. Oh, go on, go on, yeah. go on. Give it away. Give it away now. Released on the 4th of September, so just before my birthday. Yeah. 1991. Under the Bridge. Oh, what a tune. 10th of March, 92. Yep. Suck My Kiss. Oh, I'd love to. Suck My Kiss. 1st of May, 92. Breaking the Girl. Oh, tune. 30th of July. Yeah, 92. Did you have to pause there for a release of gas from your uh, pocket of gas from your lungs? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, I'll do that again later. Okay. And if you have to ask, which came out in February 93. Can't be any more specific than that, unfortunately. What else have you got for us, brother? That's superb. It peaked at number three on the US Billboard uh, what, 200. Mm. Uh, and that's it. That's it. Okay, yeah. cool. Is it? No, it's not. Great. I've got more. Recorded at the mansion, yeah. Which we all, you know, we all know about the mansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mansion. Uh, we've just watched Funky Monks, as I say, and we've seen the mansion in all its glory. They stayed at the mansion, yeah. Which, you know, just aided their creativity and the process of making the record. I think Harry Houdini allegedly once lived in the mansion. He did. Chad didn't stay there though. No, he was scared of ghosts, scared of noises. Yeah. Um, AK recorded all his vocals from his bedroom. Into a baked bean tin. Into a baked bean and tin. And hang on, the, the Zygman. The, the Zygman, this mic fell off again. Paintings and art direction by Gus Van Sant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting little vignette of information. That is a nice little vignette of information. Except for the front cover. Yeah, of course. Which was designed by Henk Schiffmacher. Henky Penky. Henky Penky. Yeah, cool. Age-wise. Oh, talk to me. A young, a young and, and fruity John Frusciante. John was the youngest at 21. 21. Chad was the oldest at 29. Oh. AK and Flea were 28. I tell you what, you do forget just how, how big the gap is there between the lads, don't you? Oh, well, you know, seven, seven years, eight years. But when you're a band of brothers... Yeah, but it's age that, that gap. The gap seems bigger when you're younger. Mm. And yeah. that, that's still... It's just getting to the point where the gap starts... That, I'd say that age, early 20s, is at the point where the gap starts to feel smaller. Yeah. You think in Mother's Milk period... Yeah. John was very young. Yeah, but they were all, they were all young, weren't they? All yeah. young, a little bit naughty. Yeah, exactly. All young, a bit naughty, but great at what they do. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's what counts. What else you got for us? That's it. Oh, cool. Great information. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. So pleased with that. I bet you are. Pop that somewhere else, huh? Where's the other one gone? I'll pop it under there. Yeah, that's fine. So, we are going to get into... uh, And I think it's probably worth worth talking a little bit about our experience with Blood Sugar Sex Magic as well before we we get into it too much. Obviously, I introduced you to it. Yeah, absolutely. Normally, I would say no, you didn't. Yeah. To most things. Yeah. But it's true. You introduced me to Red Hot Chili Peppers. It wasn't wasn't with you that I first heard the album. I first heard the album in school. Yeah. I've said this before on the podcast... Uh, one of the other 
tutor groups in my year. Their tutor room was on the floor below me. I had to go past it to get to my tutor room. Yes. And I heard some music coming out of it. Poked my head through the door. And there was a group of... Excuse me there, sirs. Excuse me, young fellows, I said. What do you listen to there? And they said... They called me Mater for some reason. said, Mater, Mater, Pater. I'm listening to Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I said, oh, it sounds absolutely bloody fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I can well believe it. Uh, No, I poked my head through the door. There was a group of youngsters there. Group of lads. Uh, But uh, it was lads and lasses. Of course. I can remember the specific people who it was, but I won't name names. I won't name names on this particular podcast. So that you heard it there? I did. And what I actually heard there was the greeting song. Mm. And so I thought, oh, this sounds uh, like an interesting offshoot. Doesn't sound enough like extreme for me at this point. Yes, yes. Or Guns N' Roses. So I went upstairs. Well, I was given the album by my good friend, uh, Camilla. Millsy! Shout out to Millsy. Shout out to Millsy. My yeah. friend, Camilla. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, friends specifically, friends, my friends friend. Friends both. Yeah. She gave it to me with notes. I mean, we've, we have mentioned We have before. covered it. I love the fact she gave you notes. That's so cute. Um, and me being me, I didn't listen to it straight away. But when I did get around to listening to it, I can still remember, still remember the first time I put it on. I can still remember the first time I listened to Power of Equality. That quiet counting. And I thought that the Power of Equality and If You Have to Ask were the same song. Oh, right. So you thought that the Power of Equality was a really great song, then it had kind of a, a, an outro-sounding middle, yeah. and then segued or seeked into, into, into a, a completely different very different song. song. But as one. I was unsure. Yeah. Not for long, because I... I Turned over the CD case and, you know, investigated. And if you, did you then think that uh, everybody did a bit of cheering and clapping mm. and then the next part of the same song started? <laughs> yes. As far as I was concerned, it was a 73-minute, 42-second <laughs> song. song yeah. But what a song it was. Uh, well, some parts are absolutely fat. Some part, most of it is absolutely brilliant. We will get to the, the two parts that aren't so good. And it changed my life. And that is, you know, normally when you say that, that can be an exaggeration. But on this occasion, that is absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. It changed the direction of my life without me realising exactly what was going on at the time. Did you become a pot-smoking, giggling maniac? Yes. <laughs> I did, but it was, un- uh, it was, unrela- it was, it was unrelated. It was unrelated. No. Uh, if anything... Blood Sugar kept me on the straight and narrow for longer than I otherwise may have, may have done. And it did change the path of your life, because if you hadn't heard Blood Sugar Sex Magic... I wouldn't have gone out and bought One Hot Minute. Yeah. You wouldn't have played One Hot Minute to me. But it, when I think back, that holiday where you first played me the Chilies, yeah. you were also playing Blood Sugar. Yeah. But why was it primarily One Hot Minute that we were listening to? Because that's my memory. My memory isn't listening to... No, Is we, it we, we to did, though, we did. I know, I know, because I think of specific things that were said by specific people about specific songs. Yes, that's right. And I remember being cheekily pleased with myself that I was playing Sir Psycho Sexy yeah. in front of our parents. Very rude. Very rude. And then when we went travelling, um, myself, my wife and our good friend Claire, um, I requested... We were travelling across America in a minibus full of people we didn't know. Mm. And we were taking it in turns to request songs, and, and I did the same thing, requested Sir Psycho Oh, well, as we've said before... I felt cheekily pleased with myself. Cheekily pleased. We've said before, it's also a great jukebox. Of course choice. it is. It's value for money. Great this was not choice. a jukebox. This was me just being sneaky. Yeah. Now, Keiki, he's coming back into the garage. He's got his noisy coat on. Might have to ask him to take that off. Um, and, yeah, and so from there, we, like you say, we listened to One Hot Minute. Yeah. 
Because that was the most recent release. Yes, it was only it was. two years old at this point. Did we at the time realise that it was two different guitarists when we were listening no, to... No, probably not. So we didn't realise that it was A, Dave Navarro, and B, John Fuscanti. I can't remember, but I do, I do remember our, our, our brother Nick hmm. running down to my bedroom and saying, John's rejoined. So oh, by the time really? he rejoined... rejoined he rejoined. He rejoined himself. Um, we knew, obviously, his significance, but... When that information filtered through, I can't be sure. But we didn't was, have to say a surname. It was, no, we didn't. Well, we did by then. No, we didn't. We can't have heard Purple Stain before he rejoined. <laughs> but also, shout out to Nick over in Japan. Love you, buddy. Yes, love you, love you, brother. And thank you for delivering that news in such an exuberant manner. Oh, yeah, yeah. And from there, really, it was... A, the other thing that Blood Sugar stacked... It's snowballed. Me. It's snowballed. It snowballed. It snowballed. They said it would. They said nothing, so there's no way. Yeah. For me, it's also when we said on that Christmas, 2000 and, what was it, 2000 and 2007, 2006, 2007, yeah. it was whatever year the first... Um, well, we'd just come back from travelling that summer, so... Oh, right, okay. And it was the, the year that the first Michael Bay Transformers film came out, because for Christmas, you and Dubbers got me the Optimus Prime, the big Optimus Prime from the film. A great present. Great present. Still got it? Yeah, so it's when I sit down on my chair and watch films, I can reach out and touch them. Do you ever say to it, but Prime, you can't die. Yeah, and, I also, and then he says back to me, now all we need is a little energon and, and a, a lot, lot of luck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Does he ever open his chest and no, allow the Matrix to float out? No, he doesn't have that feature. I fear the, the wounds, wounds are fatal. When, that, when Eddie, my friend Eddie, came down yeah. and we got together with my friend Jez, basically it was Insidious plus you, wasn't that? Yes, actually, that's what it was. That's exactly what it wasn't. Basically, that no, it wasn't. It was. It was that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yes, it was. And we said, should we play a gig and uh, play some Chili's tunes? And we played. We just, we settled on playing Blood Sugar. Well, Eddie said, Eddie said, I'm only playing Blood Sugar Sex Magic stuff because mm. he didn't like the the newer stuff. So we said, Eddie, you've got us by the balls. Mm. And we played. We did that gig. We had those. It was two days where we got absolutely, absolutely. Bollocks on gin and tonics. Didn't it we? was bollock hard. We were, we were going. <laughs> it was bollock hard. We kept going down to Waitrose to buy little berries. To put it's in the, the first time I ever drank gin and tonic. Really, I was, and, and also we said this on the podcast. Drunk, drank, drunk, drunk, drank, drank, drank. We did that for two days. We just practiced for two days, didn't we? Pretty solid. Yeah, practice. solid. Practice, Me, yeah. you, and Eddie get absolutely twatted, mm. and Jez. Bless him, had a young family at the time. Well, of course. Being very sensible and driving home. And, and then by drinking. the time it came to the gig... I was wiped out. You were wiped Absolutely. out. You play, we played the gig and, and then you went bed. straight to bed. <laughs> 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 and you were, what, 20-something? I was done on gin and tonic. And do you remember, like, we'd go down into Hyde and where Rocco's is. Do you remember sitting... Going I up, do, but let's not... No. Uh, no, I think it's fair to say that we went up the fire escapes and sat on the roofs of the buildings opposite Rocco's. Well, we did. But playing it, under the bridge, and I could have lied on the acoustic guitar. We did, and people leant out the window and, and told us, us to shut, shut up. up. Yeah. Oh, they call the police. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that, that's all... That's in the past. In, it's course. fine. I think the statute of limitations has, the statute of the limitations limitations. has passed yes. on that. Yes. So there we are. That's a sort of partial description of our relationship with Blood Sugar over the years. And of course, the most important thing to say is that we've listened to it Endlessly. When not it, endlessly. No, no, no. 
because we've listened to the other albums. Yeah, but um, and done other things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I did catch you the other day not listening to Blood Sugar. <laughs> I said, "What the hell are you doing?" I'm like, "That's it. You're off the podcast." <laughs> yeah. So who's gonna who's gonna prep for it, record it, edit it, and put it on the internet? Oh no, delete that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I did have something. I did have something else I was gonna say. Oh, was it Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yes. <laughs> anyway, so I think probably. It's time for us to get well, and into Funky Monks, of course. Let's just mention Funky the Monks. The documentary Funky Monks. Because I borrowed that from Jez. Yeah. And watched it. Never gave it back. For the first time. No, I think I did. No, eventually. he'll claim you never gave it back. Well, I'm happy to buy him a copy. Um, oh, that's on... I'll play, I'll play him this. Yeah, fine. fine. Oh, I've got a DVD of it upstairs. In the well, can have that. Have that. Yeah, you've got to give him a DVD player as well. <laughs> well, he lends it to me on VHS. <laughs> give him a VHS player. <laughs> I give him positive mental octopus <laughs> on VHS, which I bought last, it last time we recorded no, it all the no, time no, it's before. a couple of times before. I keep it on a bookshelf. <laughs> Next to Out in LA. Next to Out in LA. by one Flemish Duncan. Exactly. So, exactly. nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with it, but it's not a book. No. We haven't got any other VHSs to put it by. No, that's true. There's a reason for that. So, I was going to say, where does uh, Blood Sugar sit in for you... In the pantheon of... Oh, religion. I was going to say pantheon. <laughs> oh, of course you were. <laughs> like, well, I, swear, I swear mine and Vanessa's relationship. Well, too late. I said it first. Ah, You're like going to have to think of another good word beginning with P. Well, while I think of that, you... you okay, I've on. thought of one, so I wonder if it's the same one. Ah, well, I haven't thought of one. Uh, no, I haven't got it. What's yours? <laughs> yes, I got it. Prosthetic. Uh, well, I can say any word beginning with P. I was trying to think of one that made sense. Oh, no, I said you just had to think of a... An impressive word beginning with P. I'm not sure prosthetic fits that, that bill, but I came up with it quite quickly. Right, I'll say portmanteau. Okay, that's quite... And what about one to do with plants? What, plant? No. Name another plant. Photosynthesis. He's oh, got it. He's got see, it. That's a good one. It's not just pretty This is a good game, isn't it? Well, this could be a separate <laughs> podcast. This is a different podcast. Words. Guess my word. <laughs> okay, I'm thinking of a word. Guess it. What does it begin with? You have to say that. Oh, fine. S. Uh, psychosomatic. No, it's scissors. Psychosomatic. Okay, no, I realised it straight away. Okay, fair enough. So, that's so where does uh, blood sugar sex? We got uh, went on sidetrack. Where, where does, does it sit blood sugar in the pantheon? In the pantheon, for me, it sits at the very top of the pantheon. Okay. On okay. step one. Oh no, no, uh, step one's a okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, however many albums has been that number of steps. Step thirteen. Yeah. Step one is the is the bottom album. Step one's the worst album. So, so step, step thirteen. For me, it steps on yeah. step step thirteen. Step thirteen, which indicates that it's the best release. Okay, for me, and this is for me, <laughs> it is joint top. Ah, so it's so you've only got twelve steps. No, I've got thirteen steps, obviously. But what I do is I keep Don't stepping up and stepping step. down. No, I do employ the bottom step, but every day. I go to the top of the ladder and alternate these two Oh, okay, okay. What you should have done is just built 12 steps and put two of them together. Well, that would be a misrepresentation of the number of albums released by the Red Hot Chili Peppers in in the uh, form of a ladder. (laughs) True. Oh, I'm thinking of it more as a pyramid. Oh, I'm thinking of it as a ladder. Anyway, basically, for me, it's... But ladders don't have steps. No, I've got to stop you. We've been talking for half an hour. Right, we haven't started talking about the songs. Okay, so can I just say, what's, what's level with it? You'll know, you know. By the way. Yeah. Okay, right. Two superb albums. Two superb albums. So, we are going to get into it. We are going to go to our fantastic team that we have behind us to give us all the information that we need and talk about things that we know. And we are going to listen. That won't take that. (laughs) We are going to listen to the power of equality. Swing! I gotta throw them, cannot sleep at night, we'll stop. 
Well, as the birds continue to sing, and we equate powerfully out of the power of equality. Mm. Sam, what do you make of that, frankly, barnstorming opener? It's a barnstorming opener. That's what I said. Yes. What an opener. What a way to announce an album. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. I, I, you know, the, the, the quiet counting. Oh, yeah, it's the, great. The swing. Yeah. The, the vocal delivery from the swan. The three instrumental players locked in and powerful. What's going wow. on? It's going on and there's more than just the three instrumental players, really. We'll, we'll get to that. Yes, of course. Yeah, those got to love that quiet, laid-back counting as a way of starting an album. Yeah. Wow. It's not even one, two, three, four. We love a counting. It's one, two, one, two, three, four. Yes, and it, the laid-back nature of the counting and then the thrust into the song. Hmm. Wow. There's something going interesting with the hi-hats, if you listen to it on a, a really good quality pair of headphones. Mm. After the first three hi-hat hits, the hi-hat doubles for the next five. And you can hear a lot of separation across the years when the, you can hear those hi-hats yeah. separate from each other as the being better, better, being better, being better bit yeah. starts. What's going on? I don't know. Let's go to a double J, shall we? D- JJ or no? Let's ask him. Power of Equality says JJ, double fish hooks, Jack Johnson, Magic Johnson. I really love the fact that the first thing you hear on this timelessly classic album is Chad Smith counting in the rest of the band. Perfect. Yeah, we love that kind of thing. And I think Timelessly Classic describes it so well because this could come out, this could have been released last week. Yeah, the good thing about the way they recorded it, like Natural Room Reverb, they didn't, like, a lot of tracks just played once. Yeah. John trying to play solos once. Yes. And uh, some of the solos even played... Uh, not like even my, once. Not even once. <laughs> didn't play it at all, so I'm not bothering. But, like, for my lovely man... Um, there's a good guitar player, uh, guitar player magazine interview with John and Flea. Yes. From 91 while they were recording. And he says some of the solos aren't overdub solos. They're just part of the basic track. Just played it once, played the whole song, stuck solo in the middle like you would live. Yeah. Fine, that's on the album. But the My Lovely Man solo is phenomenally good. Yes, yeah, but you're right. That all adds to the overall f- feel of the album. And... It adds to its timeless nature. There's, there's, I don't think there's much here to age it. Uh, no, I think you're probably right. But maybe some of this are psycho lyrics. L- yeah, lyrically, you know, it's probably not as... Um, that bit about um, Anthony's dick getting hard. Well, that could still happen, sure. His eyes popped out. He's only 60. It, it wasn't him. Well, I mean, it was ju- no, no, we won't get that far. But what we will say is when it does, does he see it like the enemy, as John sometimes did? Of course, yeah. Difficult to know. Anyway, what's JJ got to say? Where to start with this? First of all, the kit. Chad seemed to use this setup for the recording of Blood Sugar, um, some of the Blood Sugar tour, then abandoned it, which means this album really has a unique drum sound. He's mostly using a Tama or Tamer piccolo snare, which is three and a half inches by 14 inches, compared to the five inches by 14 inches that he uses now. It makes a huge difference. Mm. He's also using three rack toms, Two of these left his kit by the time One Hot Minute was recorded, and it's, so he really simplified. And he's using a mixture of uh, paste. I say paste. Mm. I don't know uh, how you, if there's another way of saying it, Simon. Just no. say just say paste. paste. Yeah. Uh, and, I say paste. And so Zildian. What else could it possibly be? Uh, paste. Pasty. <laughs> but I suppose. And Zildian symbols. I guess this was way before a Sabian endorsement. Zildian. You say Zildian. What? Uh, Zildian. Yeah. I say Zildian. 
Oh, we've had this conversation before. We're not doing this again. <laughs> okay. the, this is classic I've snare. I've never heard you say Zillion. Yeah, you have. Have I? Yeah. Wow. The snare is tuned so tightly, there's no other RHDP album that has this type of drum sound. On this track in particular, it seems like there's some studio wizardry happening to make Chad's ghost notes play in the left ear. It makes the drum sound huge, especially with the natural reverb from the room ringing that snare out. Yeah, and there's times, you know, this is a very stop-start song. Mm. And there's times when the last thing hit is Chad's snare. That that's the last thing he hits, and it really rings out across the silences. Yes. Chaz's kick drum work is practically um, doing what every bassline flea does throughout the whole album. This album really proves how, these tight, how tight these two guys were, and they form the best rhythm section in rock music. Ah, oh, this is great. At 2.06, there's a cowbell overdub in the right ear, which I'd never noticed before. No. It's, it, it's incredible. Once you notice it, you think, oh, shit, there's a... Someone's playing a cowbell there. CB. Yeah, and it's either an overdub or literally somebody... There might have been a cow. St- a cow playing a bell. But it just might also be someone stood just hitting on the same take. Yes. Hitting, but more likely an overdub, I'd say. Yeah. Well, if JJ says it's an overdub, then I'm siding with him. JJ says, great first track on the album, already setting the bar high for the amount of hi-hat stabs we're going to hear while listening back. There are a lot of hi-hat stabs stabs in this this tune. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. So you were talking about the swan coming in hard and strong. Yeah, let's put this in context. Previous album, Mother's Milk, straight away you're dealing with a different animal. If Mother's Milk was, for example, a lemur... This, yeah. is, this is a horse. A horse, yeah, it is a little horse. I think if Mother's Milk is a lemur, I'd say this is a tiger. Yeah. It really gets out there. This, is, this kicks ass, this, this song. Uh, yes, it does. And, and, the, and, of course, an ass. Is another type of animal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if Mother's Milk was an ass. No, Blood Sugar's an ass. Anyway, <laughs> the swan is absolutely on fire in this song. He is spitting rhymes he like is. it's a crime. But straight away... You know, you've got a message coming through. This is a, this is a song loaded with with meaning, political allegory, and not necessarily allegory, just Politi- a message. Yeah, yeah. It's this is like nothing they'd ever done before. Well, and also this was when the Swan was saying he wanted to do this song. Rick Rubin said, "Come on, man, just do songs about um, yeah, g- g- girls cars, and cars and cars." Yeah, and yeah. he said, well, "I don't want to. Mm. I don't want to write the greeting song." This is a more mature swan than we've ever heard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, in terms of his his lyrics, the lyrical content, his delivery, his his variation of delivery, his his singing, which obviously we haven't heard here, but within the five songs that we're going to cover today, you you hear everything that this album has to offer. It's absolutely wonderful. You talked about those lyrics. Give us um, Amos's notes, who was there at the time, because he talks a little bit about the history of this song as well. Amos was there. I'll read, I'll read Amos's notes from the beginning, because he, he, he opens up with a, a little tale about how... While you read them, make sure you're also talking oh, about Oh, I, I absolutely will. On the afternoon of Monday the 23rd of September 1991, I finished my day at Totten College and got on a bus into Southampton. In HMV, I bought the new Red Hot Chili Peppers album, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, on CD. I also bought a copy on cassette, so I could listen to it immediately on my Walkman on the the hour-long bus journey home to Holbury. By the time I got off the bus, I knew my life had changed forever. I'd been into the Chili's for a couple of years, and played the first four albums on constant rotation. This was the first time I would be getting a new Chili Peppers album on the day it came out. At this time, 
I was in a band with my friends, and we were heavily influenced by the Chilis. So the new album coming out was the most important event in my 17-year-old world. Hey, mate, you young bastard. The Funky Monks documentary, <laughs> following the making of Blood Sugar Sex Magic, came out very soon after the album. Over the next year or so, I wore out two copies on VHS tapes. Love that. Because they used to stretch. Of course they did. If you, and if, especially if you paused it. Which we were encouraged not to, but... Well, that's why everyone's copy of Basic Instinct broke you at a particular to. point. It's difficult to listen to this album without my head referencing, referencing the specific sections on, the, on Funky Monks. Both are so brilliant. So there we go. Amos was there. He was buying it on the day of release. Not something that I can claim to have done, unfortunately. No. In 1991, I was a 10-year-old boy. Mm. I was probably still playing... Yeah, with, but. <laughs> yeah, I was still <laughs> playing with my Transformers, probably a Slinky. Mm. Something, you know, something like that. Side one, says Amos. Yeah, tell us the what Amos has got to say about Chad Smith counts in with his sticks. One, two, one, two, three, four. Being better, better, being better. And we're in. Better, better, being better, better. The music so, sounds yeah. a bit quiet and muffled for the first four bars and then opens right up with a confident ah, swing from Anthony. Yeah. The music immediately sounded so different from Mother's Milk. Raw. Undoubtedly, Rora. that's yeah. a key point to be made. Yeah, less polished. Less so polished. different. Yeah. In a good way. Oh, yeah, the best way. Because, of course, the worst thing that can happen is when an album sounds different from a previous album and that is somehow perceived as a negative. Well, this, well and what the Chili's needed at that point was two, positives. two positives. One to cancel out the negative and the other so they could uh, just have a positive. It sounded warmer and freer with space to breathe instead of the heavy sound of uh, Mother's Milk. It had a more Uplift Mofo party plan kind of feel to it. This song had some incredible lyrics. Not another motherfucking politician doing nothing but something for his own ambition. It was from the political mini-rap from the High Ground 12-inch single. Yeah. Great fact-finding. You can find that on, uh, on YouTube. I loved that something I'd heard previously as a throwaway B-side, a two-bar spoken piece from two years previously, had become part of an incredible song. What an album opener. Couldn't agree more. Just read... What uh, that line first came from, so people can look it up on YouTube if they fancy. It came from the, the politician mini-rap from the Higher Ground 12-inch single. Yeah, great. Which, of course, we all know. So, well, Amos knows. Yeah, what, Amos we're, knows what we're going to do is... We all know now. We're going to talk a little bit about the guitars here, because... What, I love this. This is a song that just has that... Con- Unfortunately, Simon, your headphones only worked on one side. Mm. Me and Sam had full, the full stereo experience. Full immersion. And what you have on this song, first of all, and look, basically, John was playing. There's a lot of marshals and a lot of marshal heads in the mansion that you can see on the Funky Monks. Um, Safety marshals, yeah, full back marshals, maybe used, maybe not. Um, I can tell you, actually, oh, I see it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, not full back. Yeah, actual marshal amplifiers. And marshal amplifiers. It's, it's important to stress that, really, because these days, if you did this kind of thing, you probably would need a fire marshal. You know, and other marshals. Yeah, well, uh, here's uh, let's look at the marshals that were in the studio that you can see. This is information from uh, RHCP Riffs. Go and check out that YouTube channel, people. Uh, information from RHCP Riffs. And we just, to, to stress, this is basically, he's got a hell of an ear, hell of an eye. And so this is what he's seen, what he's researched, what he's heard. This is all, this, this is what he's, this is all based on. Mm. So a Marshall JCM 800, a Marshall Major... A Marshall JMP uh, twenty two oh four, a Marshall Super Bass, and a Marshall uh, sorry, an Offender Hot 
amp. Okay? I would just like to point out that calling something a super bass is quite a good marketing technique. Yeah, absolutely. He goes, he goes to say, all these marshals are in the studio, but he probably only used two of them. And there's a lot of times on Blood Sugar where the, the amps are split across the ears. One is slightly brighter, one is slightly darker. So, for example, on this one, you've got uh, straight from the beginning where it's more lo-fi and it's mm. like muffled, as you say. And I love that fact that it starts off lo-fi and then goes clean. Well, of course, it works. And, so and louder, well. it's great. What a launch pad. But if, you're, if you listen to that, you can hear the, the ringing open E string, which is the signature of this song. Yes. And the E string here is tuned down to E flat, I think. The high E string is tuned down half a step, yeah. So that's kind of that ringing, droning sound that you're hearing in your right ear. And on the other side, you've got that slightly dark ramp, which is those stabs. It's absolutely brilliant, because what it does is every time it stops and starts and releases out of the chorus back into the verses, it opens up mm. again. Yeah. You'll find when, when you go into the choruses, the, I think it's the left ear that's playing those, those stabs, is what carries the chorus guitar part. Which is, but then when it goes back into the verses, it widens out again. It goes back over both ears and just makes it sound huge every time it changes. Very clever wizardry. Very, very clever man. Both very clever men. Both very clever men. We do trust him. So I'll just say some more information from RxGP Riffs. Sure. The guitar sounds like a jag. Uh, Jaguar, but it could be a Strat. The amps are, are two Marshalls, a dark one pound left and a bright one pound right. John's using a Dodd FX65 stereo chorus for the entire song. Yes. Uh, the solos both sound like fuzz pedal uh, straight into the, I say, Neve mixing desk. Okay. So that means you bypass, that means you're not using a, an amplifier. No. So you're not getting that, the room sound. So yes, to me, yeah. it sounds like a, t- a tighter sound. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, the high high string is tuned uh, tuned down to the fact to give that kind of ringing drone that goes on all the way through the song. Yeah, amazing stuff. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, thanks, mate. That is what we call in depth analysis. In depth analysis with the Townsend brothers. Well, <laughs> from other people that know more about it than we do. Of course, we are merely the the conduits. I was going to say conduit. So <laughs> 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 another word that starts with C. And what I love also is the way the song drags... It sounds like it drags itself into the chorus. Yeah. Because it's going and going and going. And then when the swan is saying, can I get just a little bit of power, the band locks in and yeah. goes like... Bam, 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 power. Well, it's this chorus that's caused them some problems live. Well, I've written down the chorus problem. But is it a problem on the album? Oh, on the album, definitely not. No. no. no absolutely, absolutely not. No. It's, it's a fantastic chorus. Love the swan. Kind of that... Um, Answering himself. Yeah, exactly. And this is pre sort of John's soaring backing vocals. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. John's, so, John's harmonies really came to the fore in, uh, on Californication, didn't Yeah, they? so here you've got a lot more, like you say, from the Swan. You've got, you know, you've got some stuff from, from John and Flea, but it's way more simple. And that, again, is what gives this album a unique feel. Because from here on in, Things change big time when, in terms yeah, of back Absolutely, yeah. But here, yeah, you've got the swan sort of doubling up and, and doing those kind of things. And yeah, it's just incredible to, to think of this album in isolation because it, it is so different from what 
had previously been and what was to follow. And it's so good. I love the, the swan's delivery as well. Of, um, it's so swan. It fills me up like a hollow tree. Hollow tree. Yeah. It goes with Axel. It does. It yeah. does, yeah. Ow. Yeah, well, not, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that would be great if he started doing <laughs> some random Axel Rose noises. <laughs> that's good. Hollow tree. Wow. That's very, very, that's just a cat. Very, <laughs> very, very, very cool. Really? And, I, and I love the nature, like they're almost dueling against each other. Yeah. So like you sing, you sing the main part and I'll do the backing vocals. Power of the equality is not yet what it ought to be. It ought to be you like a hollow tree. Hollow tree. <laughs> of course, and there you see, I don't actually sing the right words. What do you sing? Power of the equality. I say, yeah, because I say the equality. Cause, why? Well, because the way they drag the in. Power of the equality. Is not here what <laughs> yeah. it ought to be. Ought to be. I say tra. Yeah. Or tra be. Tra be. For some reason. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Whatever you weirdo. Strange. But that's just the way I've. You know, just um, when you've grown up. Well, it's what you've, that's where you've heard it. It's, you're Monday greening it. I'm Monday greening it. I think yeah. you're right there. So I'll tell you what we're going to do here, because let's talk about break one. Incredible bass line. Super funky rhythm part from Flea. We're going to go to a guy who's going to tell us all about the bass lines and play us some of the bass lines so that we learn about the, the bass, bass lines. Hi, guys. Aiden here. Um, thank you once again for asking me to come onto the podcast um, and share my thoughts um, blood sugar sex magic as I have mentioned um, as I mentioned when I came into the garage is such a huge album for me um, as a bass player uh, in terms of my kind of uh, learning technique and just kind of generally showing me what's um, capable on the guitar um, before I'd heard this album I don't think I'd really heard any other bass player do quite um, quite what Flea does in this album um, so it's a real honour to speak about it. I'm going to try and keep it brief because I could go on for hours about this. There's so much within these bass lines and within um, kind of Flea's general approach and sound and everything to talk about that this could be... I could talk about like 30 minutes in each song, but I won't. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, um, I'm going to focus on my favourite parts of each song. I've got my bass in front of me here, so I'll play the parts slowly and then I'll play them quickly because um, there's some real magic in these, in these songs. Um, right, the power of equality. I mean, what an opener. We have that really chilled out lo-fi counting and then um, the guitar and then the, the vocal kind of scatting along, I guess. And then Flea comes in with this thunderous. Which is chromatically leading down to the root note. We're in E flat minor for this. So the general kind of um, the root note, general harmony is that kind of sound. And he's approaching it chromatically. And chromatically means he's leading down to that root note fret by fret. So an E-flat is a 6th fret, the notes he's playing are a ninth fret, and then an 8th fret, and then a 7th fret, which are a great way to um, draw the listener in and announce the root note. And he plays it really hard, I'm really attacking my Stingray I'm playing here. Flea was playing a wall bass, um, and I think this is the only album he used a wall bass on, and a wall bass is actually um, made in the south of England, not far at all from where I and the, um, the podcast is recorded. Um, and they're well known to be really high output, really... The kind of studio basses, rather than live basses, you find them much more used in the studio than live because the way you dial in the sound is so 
um, so precise that live you wouldn't do it too much because there's a good chance that you could press the wrong button or twist the wrong knob and everything goes kind of crazy. So he would he would stick generally to a stingray live, but a wall is the sound of the bass and blood sugar sex magic. Um, here's, here's the verse part. I'll play it slow. Kind of very um this bit. It's very kind of pentatonic key um, pentatonic is the kind of the classic rock scale that a lot of guitarists use. The bit that makes it interesting is the that chromatic section there. That's a, that's really um that's really kind of tasty that bit. Um moving on, let me show you the chorus because the chorus has got a fantastic um slap line for flea. Again, I'll play it slowly. It's great, isn't it? I love that bit. Um, I'm gonna. There's a lot of um, repetition in up to this bit, but there's a really nice. Um, later on in the bridge where Flea uses his Dodd FX25 envelope filter pedal. Technical pedal point there. Um, if you've ever seen his video with Chad where he's got this little green box and plugged into it and made everything sound really swampy, that's what he's doing. That's the, that's the pedals he's using. Um, and so it's just amazing. Again, like I, I, keep, I keep talking about this, but it's, um, I haven't heard anything like this before on the bass at all. Um, so this really kind of blew my mind. isn't it really nice i mean i'm not i'm not using i'm approximating the effect there. i don't have the little green box plugged in here um but this is kind of as close as i can get um all right fast forwarding on because i'm, I'm already taking too long i'm going to go right to the last section um and this is the bit we've spoken about this we have a little whatsapp group a little peek up the wizard sleeve here behind the scenes of the podcast we have a whatsapp group we chat about this stuff um, and flea's really having to concentrate here the trick is to keep your little finger on that note the whole time and then slide the rest of the slide the other notes around so that's the bit you hear at the end um which is just brilliantly played loads of attitude and a great tone from that wall bass as well um really hard to play really hard to play i you couldn't see my face when i was playing here but i have my utmost concentration face on because it's quite a stretch there. I really recommend that you um, check check a live performance of it and um, watch Flea doing it because it's really it's really um, it's really worth watching him do it. Anyway, anyway, back to you guys. Thank you for letting me ramble on about this for a little bit, um, and I will see you for the next song. Brilliant, Aiden. Love it. Thank you so much for that. We will have a Aiden oh. vocal input and bass input for every song, which is oh, of course. He's- he delivers his bass analysis via the medium of his vocal cords. And his, no, he delivers his bass, yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I got confused. Sure. So, um, I, uh, just, I just do need to say this. Uh, chocolate chocolate are, are, are available from Rollinson's. Uh, we've got to say that on episode 100. Yeah, of course. We're going to have to do an Arnie impression later, aren't we? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll do an Arnie impression, maybe some sock puppetry. Sing some, uh, sing some songs from Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I... I Hang on, is this a sponsorship? 
Well, I was lucky enough to have been um, contacted by three. Well, hang on. One, two, three, four. What you drinking? Go. More He's than been enough for you. Well, three and over and over again this now. Week. Over and over so until we said, What you drinking? So, Sam, what are you drinking? Well, I've been lucky enough to have been cont- contacted by three sponsors Fantastic. for this landmark episode. Three? I've already got two. Well, please, it's, talk it's not you. a competition. There's some lovely looking cans. So, sponsored by old favourite Brewdog, who sent me a 12-pack of Hazy Jane, which is obviously absolutely delightful. I'm now tucking into a four pure limited edition Pacific Pale Ale. Mm. That sounds nice. Which I'm now going to apply to the mouth. Yeah, tell us about the mouthfeel. Um, crack open, cool off. That's what they say. Crack open, cool off. Yeah. Um, nice looking can. It's a great can design. Uh, you expect that from Four, Four Pure. They're uh, they're known for their can design. Aren't they? they are. They are. So here we go. One, two, three. Straight to the mouth. Mouthfeel. Cool. Dynamic. Dynamic. Love it. Taste. Sensacional. Oh, yes. It's a Thank good you, one. Four it's Pure. a good sponsor. It's a beauty. It's better than the last one I had. Well, that, you gagged. Mm. You gagged. It wasn't a it wasn't a gag order, no. Which is a different thing. That's a legal term, right? Because I'm a lawyer. Ah, yes, of course, a gagging order, a gag order, a gagging order, <laughs> a gag order. <laughs> um, lovely. Thank you, Phil Pure. That is delightful. And I will, of course, announce my third sponsor later in the episode. At a later date. Well, I will say I was lucky enough to be contacted. They knew it was the episode 100. Of course, they, they reached out, Carling. Oh, what's a company? They reached out through the medium of Tesco's and they said, if you are happy to go to Tesco's, I said, sure. that's fine. Of your own accord. I live, I live close, so I can drive there. It's about five minutes in a motor vehicle. And pay for 18 cans of carling. Using? Will, using cash or a cash equivalent. Sure. Then you can have 18 cans of carling. And so I drove to Tesco's. And bought 18 cans of What's sponsorship? <laughs> no, it's fantastic. Then I got a lovely little email from Chubba Chups. Yeah, oh, they Small emailed you. Mini lollies. Yes. I'll pop it in the pop mouth, in the mouth. Just to get a- a- ascertain the, the mouthfeel on this one. Sure. Oh, that sounds mm. lovely. Mouthfeel. Harding around. <laughs> Harding around like any good lolly. <laughs> Apart from. Those square ones. The drumstick. Uh, or a cola cube, cola cube on a stick. Yeah, all well, those ones you used to get from the dentist, which were two-dimensional and circular, but also slightly three-dimensional. Yeah, that's right. They're basically like... like a lollipop stick. Like a lollipop lady <laughs> stick. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what they're called, lollipop ladies. <laughs> I think it is. Are we, we're out of this then. Oh, two, yes. three, four. What you drinking? Go. More than enough for you. Well, my lollies hard and round. Now. I live underground. What you drinking? So, as, as I said earlier, this, is a very, this song, by its very nature, is very stop and starty. It is. I love it when they stop and start naturally and let the, the like, you can hear the snare ringing out. Or yeah. Can, other things, you can hear the room ringing out. Or, or the sounds within the room ringing out. The room itself is silent. You put noise inside it, of course. What I don't like... Is it, though? Well, I don't know. If you clap your hands in a tree, can a tree fall over? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't no know. one knows. I know what you mean, though. What I don't like is that really hard cut where they... Uh, after the solo. Yeah, where it's done by, like, a studio cut. So yeah. it goes dead silent. It's so... I feel it's so 
against the ethos of not only this song, mm. but the ethos of the whole album. Yeah. Like you get to later points, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Funky Monks later on, where it stops and you can hear Chad quietly counting back in. You can hear there's still room noise. Why they chose to go for a hard, like a, a, a hard cut here, which is done in post, is, is beyond me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sam, but it is. Well, no, no, thank you for being so honest. Um, well, I just wonder whether it was to emphasise the reintroduction of... No, no, I'm, I'm in with that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm cool with that. Because it does come in with some of the best... It madder, it's madder than a motherfucker in there. Oh, right? Yeah, he's sweet when he comes Madder back than in. a motherfucker, lick, lick my, my finger. finger. Can't forget because the memory lingers. I hope you're right that it's this when it comes back in. I said, all right, but if it is, which I think it is, it is lyrically. This song is so. I, I think it's brilliant. done for. I think it's done for. You know, in the same way that the counting is languid and you know purposely set against what's to come. I think it's done to emphasise what's you know what's to follow. And I think it, I think it it works to a certain degree. I don't, I don't like it. It sounds unnatural, and that's because it is unnatural. And it's, well, what's you know what is natural? Everything else about this song. Everything right. else about this album, pretty much. Sure. There's not, there's not much studio trickery, and this isn't trickery in its te- in its. It's trickery of, in its purest form, right? Yeah, it's let's shut this up straight away. I don't, I don't like it, and I, I will not talk about it anymore. Fine. What do you think about the um, the kind of breakdowns with the, the two kind of solo sections? First bit with that really funky bass line from Flea, yeah, and John. John's going bum ba da bum ba da ba da bum ba, and also making like that David Navarro dog noise with his other guitar. Well, I'll say this: I liked it anyway, but having listened to Aidan's uh, voice notes, if you mm. will, and I will, um, I I now appreciate it even more because I listened to it coming from what I now consider myself to be, which is a bass guitar expert. Well, you certainly are. I mean, everybody who's listened to Aiden talk is now a bass guitar expert. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. that's the quality of the man. It is. It it, it 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 seeps in immediately. So, having been seeped, I yeah, I I love it, and I listen to it with a keener ear than I did previously. So, what do you think about the the second solo, or like the pu- the pure solo, if you will? And I will. <laughs> okay, fine. I love the fact that he's got the confidence to say, I'm just going to play one, I'm going to fret one note, essentially, yes. and just bend it up a tone, bend it a half tone. This is the great thing about this album. This is one of the examples of maybe what John spoke to Rick Rubin about where he said, my playing approach was to leave space mm. so that the other instruments could do their thing. He's not playing a massive flash solo. No. There are... Well, my lovely man. There are and moments. The, of my lovely man and the second half of the solo on Funky Monks, but yeah. even, even that was John said himself that that was a parody of a rock band solo. Yeah. Um, well, yes, and of course, there's some absolutely wonderful work on. I could have lied. Oh yeah, but that yeah, that's. But it's it's, it's not that that's to me that isn't a flash solo. No, it's not flash. But it's, it's, it's heartfelt. Yeah, exactly. In fact, the house ambassador, we as we were driving into high today, we listened to I could have lied. She said. I need to talk to you. What about? I could have lied. Go on. And said, I'd, one, one A, she said. I've no, one, yeah, one, one. A, I've forgotten how great that this song is. Yes, and, 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 B, and B, two. Um, you really get the feeling that, that there is someone here speaking so honestly and truthfully 
about something that he's been through. You can, mm. you can hear and feel in the lyrics and the delivery of the lyrics yeah. that something powerful and honest. terrible happened to this man. Honest, yeah. They shouldn't say terrible. Yeah, so he's, telling, he's being honest here. Yeah, anyway, that, that, but that's... No, but I, and I said to the house ambassador... Save it for episode two. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course I didn't. I told her that it was about Sinead O'Connor and she was thrilled to hear it. Yeah, of course. Of course. And then we met you, that was about 10 seconds before we met you, Simon. Yeah, in the car park. Happy days. Yes. Um, what we, we, <laughs> Sorry, we, talking about the power of quality. Yeah. But v- Vanessa did say that I had to say that that happened. That happened, yeah. So the outro, I think. Let's, um, well, I, yeah, I love that, I love that solo. I love the, the bravura, bravura um, <laughs> nature of it. Yeah, sure. So the outro, that, we've heard Aidan talk about that bass line. Absolutely amazing. That's just the same. That's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and having watched Flea play it live recently. With his tongue out. The, the, was it the last episode? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, Good old 1999. You know, what, what, a, what a piece of, of bass playing that, that is. In a, you know, in amongst all the Flea's talk about moving on from being the, the bitching, slapping bass player, he still does that kind of thing, but he does it in a more measured way. I like the, the way that on the Funky Monks documentary, while he's talking about that, the, um, the example I used is him playing the Funky Monks bass line. Which is basically just exactly, yeah, really exactly. simple. Well, yeah, and that's obviously done on purpose, but it highlights what he's talking about, which yeah. is again leaving the space. And that's Let exactly him. what John was talking about. They're both coming at it with the same kind of ethos. Yeah, and it's great. Like, so you hear obviously on Funky Monks, you can see uh, you've got um, Rick Rubin. I think the other guys is um, Brendan O'Brien. Yes, saying less noty. Either Brendan O'Brien or, or of course or, or Zygmunt. Zygmunt. Yeah. yeah. My, my bloody microphone's fallen off again, Zygmunt. Zygmunt, I think Zygmunt was in charge of equipment. Makes sense. It does, it does. From what little we know about him. Zygmunt. <laughs> we should just Google Red Hot Chili Pepper Zygmunt. Well, if we did that, though, the, then the... The mystique would be gone. It would, anyway, yeah. let's wrap this one up. Yes. Because um, we've been talking about well, for half an hour. Yeah, and, and of course, the, then the, the, the vocal delivery from the swan... Oh, the, on the outro? Yeah. Oh, so laid back, so cool. The, the, these yeah. lyrics are fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Mis- misery is not my friend, but, but I'll, I'll break, break before, before I bend. bend. And of course, you might think, well, he's just rhyming bend with friend. Look, there's, there's, there's many times when I'll say about this one, I think he's rhyming something with something because it rhymes. But what he's but saying here, is, he's standing for, up for what he believes yeah, exactly. in. He won't bend. He'll be broken before he bends. Well, he's literally saying, I'll break before I bend. Yeah. And, and misery it, and is not his friend. But it's so meaningful. Yeah, it's great. People say, oh, he just talks about zing-a-dig-a-ding, a dong a dong ding Yeah, and bing-a-bing-a-bang, a bong a bing ging Well, you're wrong, quite frankly. Because yeah. he is a, he's a lyrical genius. At times. Yeah, at times, yeah. And certainly here, he is on top form. And yeah. also, uh, what I see here... Is insanity. Whatever happened to humanity? Whatever happened to humanity? Whatever happened to humanity? Bam, bam, bam. I wanna be gangster, thinking he's a wise guy, robbing the bank. He's a soccer man, the eye guy. Tankhead, Mr. Bonnie and Clyde guy. Look him in the eye, he's not my kind of guy. Never wanna be confusion proof of pudding sweet, but to a loser. Cat's ass one uppercut to the cold of a middle class. Born a storm.
Well, as we come questioningly out of If You Have to Ask, the second song on the seminal 1991 released by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic. And let's just say what a title, by the way. What oh, sorry, a title? you were just uh, releasing a pocket of gas from your lungs. <laughs> pocket of gas in the lungs. <laughs> what a title. Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic. It's so evocative. But evocative of what? Well, four things, <laughs> mainly. <laughs> yeah. If you have to ask, this is a superb example of the ethos of this album. What John's talked about, what Flea talked about, the space. What uh, Anthony talks about. Yeah, and what Chad also <laughs> talks about. But yeah. the space. So go to uh, RHCP Riffs. The guitar is a Jaguar straight into the Neve 1073 preamp. So no guitar amp. Uh, they use the high-pass filter, the Neve high-pass filter, to cut all frequencies below 300HZ. Hertz. Thank you. For the guitar solo, John probably used a Strat into the Fender hot amp with the lead channel engaged. He turns on the Ibanez wire halfway through that solo and when, by God, when he turns that wire on, you, you know, know about man. it. Christ. Absolutely. It, what a, what's, we'll, we'll get there. Well, of course we will. We'll get there. It's but interesting to see, to achieve that like ultra dry sound, again, he's abandoned use of, like on Power of Quality when he was going direct, to lose any room reverb at all for that pure, clean sound, mm. he's not using an amplifier. No. Oh, well, he, he's, he's, he's not using an amplifier that is making noise into a room to, yes. be, uh, to be more accurate. Something is amplifying the sound of his guitar. He did it, it to me again. <laughs> what did I do? I agreed with you. <laughs> <laughs> so that, just go that because what an ultra-tight sound that is and what a signature um, blood sugar riff that is. Of course it is. I mean, it's it's actually one of the more low-key tracks. Oh, it's, it's low-key in such a great way. Well, indeed. Low-key delivery from the swan, but there's nothing low-key about the choruses. There's nothing low-key about the breakdown, or low-key no. about the solo outro. But yeah, it still maintains yeah, still a low-key feel. <laughs> still one of the it low maintains key. a low-key feel, but I think that's primarily because it follows power of equality. It's got, I think it's got also... Yes, you're right. It comes out of that with that dry, scra- really scratchy track. And he's playing it in that rhythmic style that we've talked about before, where he's playing, he's attacking those strings and not worrying if he catches other strings yeah. because he's muting them out, like yeah. either with thumb over to mute out the bass strings or just literally the flesh of his fingers to mute out the top strings. And lo- I love the fact that at the end of every turn, I was just adding that additional note on the E string. Bam, bam. Well, and of course, Chad is working his socks off, but in a in a very laid back way. But those ghost notes. Let's go to JJ. Oh, I'll tell you what, we will go to JJ. Let's have a mouthful of beer. He talks about these ghost notes, and by God, they're effective. If you have to ask, again, the snare sound. You thought it was tight on power of equality, man. It's tight here. Go on. So tight. It's tuned so tight, and it's very reverby. Yeah. Worth noting that without, without the ghost notes, Chad is playing during the verses, this song would have a totally different feel. And that is so true. I'll tell you what, what crucial. Jack, these are some of Jack's best um, notes, because what he really highlighted to me, which you're about to get to when you keep talking, reading the notes, yes. is just how laid back and, like, sl- I don't know if Jack says The sloppy. entire groove feels so loose and lazy. Oh, there you go, yeah. It's like almost sloppy. Almost sloppy, yeah. he says. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I knew I was going to say sloppy. It was me and Jack. Sloppy ghost notes he's playing. Yeah. So groovy. And that's the thing. You know, Flea's laying it down 
groovy. And Chad is laying it down sloppy and groovy. So you're getting two doses of groove. And one dose of slop. (laughs) (laughs) And the overall overall feel. The overall feel, I'll tell you why it works. It's because you've got this ridiculously tight and simple guitar line. Yeah. You've got Chad... Play obviously we we say it's sloppy and and loose, but it's per, it's perfectly. In, oh, of course, it's he's, it's he's loose right, and sloppy, right on, but 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 perfect by the design. Tune. Yeah, and you have got Flea with probably my, one of my favourite um, Chili's bass lines. You can say this for pretty much every. Hang song. on, are you saying that because that's what Aiden said? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> he's, seeped, he's, I've been influenced. He's, seeped, he's seeped into you. I've been influenced by Aiden. Okay, well, <laughs> so actually, you're saying it's sloppy. No, we're gonna. I'll tell, what we, I'll tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to Aiden now because he hasn't said oh, that he hasn't yet. Said it yet. Oh, okay. We we'll go to Aiden now, and then we'll come back and finish off Jack. Yeah, for one better phrase. <laughs> yeah. Okay, second track on the album. If you have to ask, um, spoiler alert: this probably features my favourite ever bassline from Flea. Um, but before we get into that, we need to talk a little bit, little bit about his tuning, um, because the official tab book has it wrong, um, saying that Flea plays this in drop D. In fact, he doesn't. He drop D is when you tune one of your strings down a tone. Flea doesn't do that. He tunes all of his strings down a tone. So rather than the typical E A D G, he is actually D G C F. This means you have to have fatter strings on. You means you have to um, kind of adjust the bass to make sure it can cope with the lack of tension that detuning your strings presents. I'm not going to do that, so I'm going to play everything a tone higher than you're going to hear on the on the um, record, for which I apologise profusely. The basic verse riff is. And interestingly, that's actually doubled by another bass an octave higher. So when you listen to the song, you're hearing two basses. The other bass on top goes. So there you go. So now whenever you listen to the song from now on, you are actually getting double flea, um, which of course is twice as good exactly as a single flea. Um, Right. Okay. so here we go. So the bit I alluded to earlier, my one of my favourite ever flea bass lines, um, which is in the chorus. I learned this completely wrong the first time because, of course, the tab book has the tuning wrong, which means that the way they said the flea plays it, he doesn't actually play it at all. So I, I originally learned it in a much more difficult and complicated way than he actually does it. Um, so I'm going to play it now with the correct fingering, but like I said, it's going to be a tone higher than when you hear it on the on the um, on the on the album. <laughs> How cool is that? It's great, isn't it? Such it could it could only be Flea that plays that. It's so quirky and interesting with like um interesting note choices and notes that um, pop out that you just wouldn't expect to be there. It's just, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, there's only really other one other section of the song, which is the bridge, which is um, not as nearly as difficult to play as that last bit, but it's, uh, it's kind of cool in the way it starts off straight and finishes it off funky. Mm-hmm. 
And that's pretty much it to the end of the song. Um, yeah, so not nearly as complicated in terms of parts as the power of equality, but um, what it lacks in quality, I think it definitely makes up for in quantity. Okay, back from Aiden. Fantastic as always. Sam, continue with uh, Double Fish Hook, if you will, or Magic Johnson as we know him. I love the kick drum work at the end of every eight bars during the verses. Hitting on the offbeat, so funky and tight with flea. Ah, absolutely. Is there a funkier song? Is there? Funky Monks is quite funky. Well, is that just because it says funky in the title? If I called this funky, if you have to ask, would that make it more funky than it already is? And if Funky Monks was just called Monks, would I think it would say funky? Probably not. Hard to tell. Wow, these are are important questions. Funky, I could have lied. In the garage this day. Funky road tripping. Funky suck my kiss. Not a funky song, but more funky if you say funky. Funky under the bridge. (laughs) Okay. When they play this live, Chad switches to 16th notes on the hi-hat. But it's interesting that on the recording, it's played on tambourine. And my question to you is, had you noticed on no. the chorus there was a tambourine? Of course not. No, 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 no. Until I read these notes and then, and then listened to it immediately. And there's a, there's a tambourine all over the show. Just another very unique drum part to add to it already this already unique album. Yeah, fantastic. From 209 onwards, you can hear more of the hi-hat opening and closing. And that's... Again, this this goes back to what we've spoken about before. Those subtle changes, yeah, yeah, making such a big difference. Well, and this is yeah. This is this also goes to, and we we'll talk about this a bit more. In Breaking the girl. This talks about uh, again. This is off the, the John Frusciante interviews on uh, Broken Record with Rick Rubin. This is uh, John Frusciante returns part two. I think they're talking about. How can you build the songs up without actually adding too much stuff in? Yeah, exactly. How do you do that? You bring stuff in later. Play something, uh, play it one way and then build up. Play a verse where somebody isn't in it and then add them later on. Yeah. Very specifically on Breaking the Girl. But here, what's happening is he's, Chad is just changing to having that open hi-hat, yeah. which fills out more space than previously. It doesn't take away from the funky feel. Right. It adds... To what is already, you know, something special, but just changes it up enough to let make that ear think, hang on a minute, something, so there's something new here. And until I read the notes, my ear was constantly telling me that there was something new here. Yeah. But I didn't know what it was. It, the, the hi-hat's much more busy. Yeah. Oh, it's just yeah. more open. Well, and interestingly, he says um, they're higher pitched and probably smaller than the ones used on the other songs on the album. That's so amazing. just a little, you know, he's, he's saying, I want to do this, but it doesn't sound right with these. Maybe I should do this. He probably said to that man on Funky Monks, I need smaller hi-hats, go and get them. Who do you say it to? Uh, Zygmunt. The man who does the laundry and that kind of thing. Ah, yes. Go down to Symbol World. Mm-hmm. Paste World. Yeah, yeah. Zildian World. <laughs> Sabian World. And get me some small hi-hats. I need them immediately. Mm. And do my pants. And while you're there, do my... Some of the laundry. Do Fleece Daughter's laundry. Do some of the things that we would normally do if we weren't doing this. Because we have to focus on the album. <laughs> We've got to focus on this. <laughs> but go and get me the hi-hats mm. now. Um, great. You know, just... And it's, it is those little things. You know, we see Fli- Giant Flea playing the tiny piano. Well, that's, it's the eternal question, isn't it? Is it a Giant Flea playing a tiny piano? Or is it a normal-sized Flea playing two small pianos? Yeah. And we don't know. We we weren't there. We can't tell because 
the problem is there's not much else for reference of scale that's close enough to him. No. Yes, you've got the background of the room, but that could be false perspective. Of course it could. So it's really difficult could. to tell. And there is some cigarette smoke rising from the either very small piano or mm. very normal-sized piano. That's the joke. But he could have been smoking a giant cigarette, for example. Or a, a very, very small, small cigarette. cigarette. <laughs> so there's no way to know. No way at all. What I really think we should talk about now is the swan's delivery on this song. Sure. What? Oh, hang on. I think I moved my microphone slightly. I'm going to move it. I'm touching the mic live. Okay. I'm going to just bring it there. Bring it there. Okay, fine. The swan's delivery. Live, we know he alternates between registers and will go higher sometimes. Here, it's delivered in that flat almost. Do you want me to give a live example of that? Okay. So on the album, it's... A wannabe gangster, gangster thinking he's a wise, wise guy. guy. Rub another bank, he's a sucker in the eye, eye guy. guy. Tank head, Mr. Bunny and Clyde guy. guy. Look him in the eye, eye. he's I'm not my kind of guy. guy. Never want to be confusion proof of putting a sweet but to a loof. loof. I say proofer, a loofer. Yes, so do I. Oh, fine. So, yeah, we've, we've touched on this before, haven't we? What we prefer. Oh, this, is, this is awesome. This is perfection from this one. And also, yeah. these, these lyrics are almost like almost complete gibberish but also complete genius this is the second song in a row we've called in the swan of a, a, a lyrical genius well the rhyming of guy with guy and then with guy is <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe not that part maybe not that part a wannabe gangster thinking he's a wise guy rob another bank he's a suck him in the eye guy uh, tank head, head mr bonnie and clyde guy. guy look him in the eyes not, not my, my kind of guy, guy. it's four guys <laughs> it's it only works. one short of the legendary burger chain <laughs> it works it works but it's great the way it's like, uh, it's not monotone, it's not boring. No. It fits the song perfectly. Yeah, exactly. It? Yeah. And it's, again, it's, it's a new look. They give it, they, it's room to breathe. L- listen to this. Echoey as well, slightly echoey on the vocal. Or is it, is it just is pure reverb? I don't, I don't know. It might be room verb. Yeah, or echo verb. Or, or pure reverb. A backed up paddy whacker. Paddy whacker. Oh, is it, is it backed up? N- a backed up. Paddy whack. I say knacked up. I say backed up. Yeah. Makes well, a does it make up. more sense than Well, it does, up? yeah, because a paddy wagon is a phraseology in some uh, arenas for a, a police van. It, oh, I call it a knacked up paddy whack. <laughs> I call it a backed up paddy wagon macking on the cat's ass. Oh, a, a knacked up paddy wagon knocking on the cattle's ass, I say. Now, oh, do you? Yeah. You've, read, you've gone through the wrong lyrics page, clearly. Well, I just I do it by ear. I've obviously got very, very bad ears. Well, I love the huge slides from Flea that alternate to, um, like, walk up. So, ding, diddle, ding, diddle, ding, ding, diddle, ding, boom, 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 diddle, boom, diddle, boom, diddle, boom, diddle, boom. It's almost as if. They're a new, they're a different band. Yeah, yes, absolutely, yeah. Like nothing like this was on MM. MM, it's incredible. It's just yes, there's some some areas on the album that I know you specifically don't like as much, but there is also a, a hell of a lot of perfection. I will say, there's only a couple. There's a, there's a couple of songs I, I think are um, yeah, a, a, a less good. Yeah, uh, like take off. <laughs> Snake in the rain and stick on salt to squeeze. And you've got an even better album than this. The power, um, not power of quality, The Righteous and the Wicked is another contentious one for me. Yeah, I think I really it's like good. It. Yeah. But is there a better song that could have gone on there? My answer to that would be yes. So, yes, I think there are 
There was better songs. That, and and one, yeah. of them, one of them is showcased on Funky Monks. I'll leave that to the, uh, to the listeners to decide what I'm talking about. Yeah, but what I also would add is would Sultan, and I think we've spoken about this before in the previous 99 episodes, mm. would Soul to Squeeze have the cult following and the cult status that it enjoys if it was on the album? No, no, it wouldn't. We wouldn't have done a whole episode on Soul to Squeeze. So there you go. <clears throat> Not like we did with Under the Bridge. Well, well, quite. Let's get into the chorus, shall we? Sure. Let's talk about the backing vocals. Who do you think is singing this? On Funky Monks, you can see uh, John and Flea singing together. Yeah. Sometimes on some of the the backing vocals, the Swan, John and Flea are are singing together. Do you think those If You Have to Ask, which are so pure, so tight, um, very, very hard to reproduce live when we were doing doing the lukewarms? Not impossible, but hard. Oh, certainly not impossible. If we're judging it on pureness and tightness, then I'd say it's John. Yeah. But there, there is, there's, there, but on Funky Monks, there are shots of them recording high vocals and Flea's part of that. And we Together. Know that, yeah. So yes. it does make you question whether that's a double or a, or a single. Well, I would say it's a single. Yeah, I'm, I would tend to agree. So that's what makes me think it's John. But it could it could be Flea, but I think if it's a single, it's more likely to be John. I'm not saying. Oh no no no! It's definitely definitely John is there. I'm not saying this because of my you know inbuilt love of John. No, I'm not saying it's over Flea. I'm not saying that Flea is singing that on his own. No, and there's no John. I'm saying there's definitely John. So not, is there a bit of Flea? Is, is there any Flea in there? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Okay, well, you know, I think I've gone some way to answering that. No, I, I completely agree with you. Let's talk about the way this chorus is tied together. It's phenomenal. That bass guitar through the middle, again, thank you to our experts. I never knew it was two bass guitars, one an octave higher. No. Absolutely no idea. Actually, if you listen to it at the end, it sounds like the two bass guitars, you know, when it goes a little bit looser at the end as they break it, it just breaks down. Yeah. It sounds like the two bass guitar parts split. Just, and just. there's two basses. You can hear two basses playing something, and you can also hear John yeah. playing something. Yeah. So, because trying to keep something in perfect sync when you're not then playing to a playing with a drummer or any kind of something to keep you in time very is really difficult. Hard. Well, of course, nigh on impossible. So let's get the chorus. Though, love the way it starts together. That fantastic bass line straight through the middle. The slinky John Frusciante like ultra dry guitar on the left mm. got. Uh, what looks to be a, a mini Moog, which you can see in Funky Monks, in the right ear. Yeah. And that is maybe... What an absolute MVP. I mean, if I say it's the MVP, it's the most valuable player. What I was say, it's what an absolute star it is in this song. Yeah. It's so... Again, it's one of those things that... Yes, I've heard this song a thousand times. Mm. Through great quality headphones. My ear always goes to the guitar, which is on your left. Yeah. Hard right is that... Synth sound. Yeah. It, playing yeah. a really cool line. As and important again, as the guitar line. As important as the guitar line, but just there as a as a an additional layer. Yeah. But without it, you'd no, you'd notice if it was taken away, but you don't always notice it when you're listening to the song. Oh, I'll also say that the whole thing is glued together by this tambourine, which is apparently right there clearly in song, which we've never heard before either. Yeah, yeah, I know. Unbelievable. <sighs> it is unbelievable. Uh, at the beginning, sorry, I meant to say this. When I just when I was listening to it that time, I think at the beginning someone hocks a loogie. It's a swan. I'm turning back. 
Uh, in the background, you can hear the band making noise in the background. Sounds like the swan is clearing his throat. Yeah. Or AKA. Well, no, just AK. Hocking a loogie. Okay, and also what I love about this guitar on the chorus is it's a very, very super slinky sound. Really attacking and quite percussive that John's playing on the chorus. Yeah. But also it's got... um, What makes it sound so slinky to me is the fact that he's not um, hammering on to the higher notes. GTP... Actually, Aidan's going to cover this uh, bass-wise. He's going to do a BTP about hammer-ons. GTP for a hammer-on is where you're fretting a lower note and you don't... And, and you hammer onto it, with your, literally hammer onto it with your finger to, to produce the sound. A pull-off is the way they then release the higher note to sound the lower fretted note. Great stuff. Yeah. So you're not plucking that string, you're hammering onto it. Yeah. He's not... well hammers in both my hands. There you go, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. He's... Eddie. He's sliding instead. He's not hammering on, he's literally sliding. So you get a really slinky feel to that guitar part. Really yeah. odd... But cool sounding way to do it. Yes. My, my natural instinct would be to, to hammer it. John's there was to slide it. Great. 21 years old. Oh, man. Sliding like a mother. Sliding like a right old mother. So, um, JJ, we've spoken about JJ, haven't we, on this one, definitely. Yes. Um, said that, um, well, I think Chad's ghost notes get louder on verse two. And I'll also say this. You know the line, my hand, my hand? Yes. Do you think that's inspiration for the... Uh, the back cover, where it's literally his hand and his wrist and his arm, something yeah. his lower arm. So probably not. <laughs> my arm, my hand, my, hand, my wrist, my, wrist, my, my lower, lower arm. <laughs> my hand and my wrist, my lower arm. No, yeah. probably not. Okay, talk to me about the breakdown. Talk to me about the breakdown. Damn, bam, 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 bam. Some bam. call it over, overly simple. No, I call it perfect. It's perfection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> P. Yeah, no, I, I, lo- I love it, don't get me wrong. And, and of course, it spawned the now famous band Live Jumping, yeah, which is just brilliant. And I think what makes it so good is that it has that kind of staccato nature against what is otherwise a very fluid song. Yeah, so that's what I think gives it its... Instant appeal. Yes, you're right, because it's a juxtaposition against what has gone before. Yes. Great Absolutely word. Absolutely right. Certainly that in episode one. We certainly did. Certainly did. And once that breakdown starts, as Aidan um, said, starts simple. Yeah. But then gets more funky and more complex. Live, I love the way that they let it run and run and run before going to the solo. Yeah, and it's, it's here that you can hear that really tight snare. When, when Chad... When Chad because Chad does his... his snare strokes and they're very pronounced and then he does a roll at the end of it yeah oh yeah there's practically no snare like no no snare sound mm. to that snare drum at that point how did he do it i don't know oh, he tightened it to the max tightened it to the point of maximum tightness it, he must have gone through a few you think so because he's as we know he's a heavy hitter he is a beast he well he must have eaten a few <laughs> he did, but at home. But at home, at home before, before he came, tra- before he travelled twenty minutes on his bike <laughs> to the studio, wearing, wearing his, his funny, his, his, funny religious his Jesus sandwich board, <laughs> his, his odd, <laughs> odd religious. Mo- yeah, yeah I think that's the best thing, isn't it, to say a sandwich board? Yeah, the weirdest thing to wear in the world. Very odd, but it was the early nineties. So we get to after that breakdown, 
one of the coolest solos Shantae's ever done. Yeah, I think. yeah. You used uh, to love playing this live. Wow, wow. What what you've just done there is is a perfect example. It's distinct phrases. This solo that it yeah. starts with. Wow, yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, brilliant. Distinct phrases, um, overdubbed. Obviously, this one because you can still hear the rhythm guitar going. Yeah, that doesn't stop. But this, that's you know that's in. not you know some people when they when they hear the term overdub, they they immediately think that you know that's a negative. Well, that's no, it's a positive sometimes. Of course it is because without it, there'd be no. Overdub. We can't do both at the same time. Well, let's for some people who don't know what an overdub is. We have done this before, but it's mm. worth dropping every time. An overdub is where you have the basic tracks that you've recorded. And you're going to add more. So you have multiple tracks that you can record on when you're in the studio. Now, you, in the digital world, you can have almost endless tracks. Back in the day when it was tape-based, there was limitations on how many tracks you could have. Limitations are set. Only then can we go all the way. All the way. And an overdub is where you are playing along to the basic track that's already been recorded. So you're literally playing over it. Mm. And presumably dubbing something onto it. It must be, must be. For the dub. But what I love is the distinct phrases. Also, what Jeff, signature Jeff moment. When he switches and it goes big, he just makes random string noise before he goes to the big bends. That's at 2.47. So, yeah. And again, that, that speaks to the live nature of the, of the recording. Because you're getting all of those additional, you know, some guitarists may have wished to keep it more pure. Well, I think this just, I think this speaks to that first take nature that he had. Yeah. So this is him having a chance to, that basic track is recorded, I think. Mm. That, that's done. And he's, I think these people are in the room with him and he's going to play the lead part. Mm. He absolutely tears the whatever out of it. He tears it up. Yeah. And those guys are so impressed, they're going mad. But the imperfections are what are what the perfections are for, for, for this album. Well, of course, yeah. And it's, I don't think, and it's not. I don't think it's even imperfection. I love that, and I do it quite a lot. You're just hitting strings before you then attack yeah. and hit the note that you want to hit, just to give it some kind of building. To, otherwise, sometimes it feels a bit anemic when you just go into the note straight away. Yeah. If you can just open, just hit open strings, hit certain strings, let something ring out before you get there. It gives it a bit of body before you, um, before you hit what you want to hit. So, and the crowd goes wild. Um, and if you have to ask, is probably one of my favourite Chili Pepper songs ever written. It's bloody marvellous. And this is what Amos makes of it. The first song runs straight into the sparsest, coolest and funkiest guitar riff I had ever heard. The rest of the band all come in after four bars. One of my favourite flea bass lines. And Chad plays a simple sounding but intricate, funky drum beat full of perfect ghost notes on his snare drum. The song ends with an amazing guitar solo that sounds as if it was recorded on the first take. The song ends as it starts with the funky JF riff and flea bass. Everyone in the room applauds. And, gives every, and this gives everything a live feel, which the Funky Monks film exudes.
As we come heartbreakingly mm. out of breaking the girl, Sam, first thing I'm going to do is put this in some context. You're reading an excerpt. I will read an excerpt from the very interesting book, Scar Tissue, <laughs> sure. by a man I like to call The Swan. And I have to say, this is a song that's grown and grown and grown in my estimation over the years. Mm. It's up there in probably my top 30 songs, maybe top... Number 30? 50, yeah. I know I've said 30, it's 50, but there's a lot of songs I love. Breaking the Girl is one of my favourites. And the, the, the bit in Funky Monks where that guy comes in and is talking about... Well, we're not, he, he's insinuating things that we're not going to elaborate on here. We, what we are going to do is read, read directly from this book. <laughs> Good, do it now. Okay. So the swan says, At the same time, I began to question myself and wonder if I was stuck in repeating my father's pattern of hopping from flower to flower, the girl of the day thing. Now, that certainly might ring a bell in your noggin. I certainly didn't want to end up like Blackie because as exciting and temporarily fulfilling as this constant influx of interesting and beautiful girls can be, at the end of the day, that shit is lonely and you're left with nothing. The lyrics reflect both these points of view. And I didn't know what Breaking the Girl was about when I first heard it. No. But I think this is one of the most tender and, uh, I'll say it, heartbreaking songs I've ever heard. Well, uh, you use the word tender, and and this this is what I was going to touch on, because... So far in this album, we've had, you know, driving rap-fueled aggression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and political rap-fueled aggression. Yeah, we've had pure funk. Yes, we have. Sloppy and groovy. And loose. Funky as a shit. Yeah. And now we have, we've got tender. We've got tender maturity. That's the other thing. That, that- yeah, absolutely. What, you, what we've got is the swan reflecting on his own life, how he might be behaving and not wanting to repeat the mistakes of the past. Yes. <laughs> that's very true. But that, that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> no, it is, it is, it is. That's exactly what's going on. And also, um, musically, it's reflected as well, I think. Of course. Because you've got, uh, played on a 12-string acoustic guitar, Yeah. RHCP Riff, thank you for pointing out it's double-tracked, uh, one left, one right. Yeah. So, But I find that guitar part really... It's beautiful. Mm, but it's aggressive tender. But, man, this is, we've become a symbiotic relationship because I've written it's an aggressive but beautiful guitar line. Yeah. And underneath though, you've got a really bubbly, pretty bass line. Well, you have. And what you've also got, which surprised me on that listen, is the drums to, to perfectly fit the song portray both the tender nature and mature feel of the song whilst being played in the typical chad way which is hard well you get that certainly leading into the, the pre-choruses yeah like, like i don't know what went away is it's three boom 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 yeah and it releases man we're gonna get through releases you just mentioned drums talk to me about uh, magic johnson well, this, unfortunately i just spat all over this but um i can still make it out chad has said previously in interviews that he found it difficult to come up with a part for this song i can't speak for all drummers but I sometimes find it difficult to come up with a unique drum part when the song is in 6-8 time, the 6-8 time signature. Apparently, Flea suggested he come up with something similar to what Mitch Mitchell plays on the Jimi Hendrix song Manic Depression, and if you listen to the two songs, you can see the similarities. Going back to the kit setup, 
This track would be difficult to play on Chad's setup that he has now. It seems it would be more suited to play with these three racks, uh, the, to, to play these racks on rolls on a kit with three racks toms and a floor tom or two. Because that's the great thing about the, the rolls. They do roll across those, those know, toms. Yeah, yeah, and you can then really fill them out with the body of a floor tom. Just to get the rolls clean and have the sonic variation across the different toms. Yeah. That's, that's what you're, A, trying to, trying to achieve, and B, it, well, you're trying to achieve that, but doing it, on the other hand, is quite difficult. I once learned to try and play this song on the drums. Did you? I had an electric kit with only two toms well, and one floor tom. That's where you probably struggled then, because as, as Jack says, sometimes it's not about, the, about how good you are at playing, it's mm. about the equipment that you have available to you that allows you to play that way. A bad workman always blames his tools. Yeah. And Chad is by no means a bad workman. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the swan here and his vocal deliveries. Really cool to see on the Funky Monk stock <laughs> how they actually used bits of junk and metal to create all the chaos in the middle section. Great song. Yeah, superb. Thank you, JJ. Thank you, Magic Johnson. Now let's talk about the swan. Oh, I mean, there's so much to dive into here. So much. Would you care to dive into what can only be described as a pool of tender vocal delivery? That a swan is swimming in. Here is the swan I've written in the purest voice he's ever displayed mm. up to this point. Yeah. There's, there's simply nothing like this in the Red Hot Chili Peppers back catalogue no. until this point. This is the swan revealing his inner soul to the world, yeah. I feel. He is, if he was nervous, because he wasn't the world's best singer at this point. He wasn't nervous. No, I, he, I, no, but he says, he has said in Scar Tissue, he said in other interviews, that he needed, sometimes he, he didn't want to sound like a twat. They weren't his words. They might, I'm paraphrasing the swan there. Yes. He, but he, okay. but, he, but um, Brendan O'Brien, the engineer, would say, look, you've got it in you. Yeah. It's there. We, yeah. can, take, we can do as many takes as, 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 as it might take. Yeah. And we'll get it. And the swan here is... And they got it. Like, even, like, for example, the word she at 32 seconds, when he's saying... Oh, she! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. This, it's a guy laying himself bare and saying, you've I'm, not heard me sound like this. No. This is something... It's something quite extraordinary. It's an extraordinary song and an extraordinary album. The, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, he, he'd never sung like this before. This is just another example, you know, song three of three. That was Blair's uh, second single on... It was the B-side uh, on song two. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the third song of three yeah. where they are displaying something new. Mm. It th This... I can only imagine being there at the time listening to this and thinking... My word. Where's this come from? Where have these boys pulled this from? The Swan, it just sounds great. And it's not just the delivery. As you say, it's the, it's the lyrical content. It's the meaning and the, the heartfelt delivery. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't it agree all more. comes together. And as Aidan said, or is about to say, I'm not sure. No, he hasn't said it yet. But he's about to. They're all doing what's... 
what's required to make this song the the beautiful song that is no one's doing anything other than exactly what is required yeah you're quite right we'll talk about brendan bryan in a minute and what he's doing yeah on the uh on the mellotron actually oh and sorry just to touch on the break you know the breakdown with junk okay well yeah go on then because we you know we're talking about layers and uh slight changes which enable a song to grow and and become something that it hasn't been previously okay the two-step nature of that junk playing is absolutely brilliant yeah uh, no you're quite right because it does get bigger and there's uh, and then there's that very noticeably very high pitched thing comes in which you see flea playing on funky monks yeah but he's not close enough first of all so he says that the time is perfect so yeah split difference yeah but that's that's magical i've got big questions about that section of the song we'll we'll get to that the fade in, the fade. What I love is it starts mm. off with just the bass and the guitar. Then the swan comes in, and I think what they've done is uh, the drums and the mellotron mm. fade in, yeah, leading to the build of that first release into that first pre-chorus. Yeah, and it sounds to me like they were playing anyway. Yeah. So one of those choices, again, we spoke earlier where they're saying, let's just not have people playing here and see what it sounds like. Yeah. This is a really interesting choice because it sounds to me like they might have been playing from the start yeah. of the song and then made the decision in post to, to, fade, to fade that into the first pre-chorus. Yeah. And it's very cleverly done because unless you're really listening out for it, you don't even notice it. No, the great thing about it is... Suddenly, there's uh, you can you, there's new instruments in the song, and you yeah. think I didn't notice that they weren't there. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's beautifully done. Yeah, it's it beautifully is. done. And we'll give a shout out now to Brendan O'Brien on the Mellotron, who who is the engineer for the for the record. B O B. Yeah, Bob. Well, it's a one hot minute reference. And so, well, B O B is a um, almost prodigies of peace. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> prodigies of peace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is. This is a sublime uh, piece of musicianship from, yes. from Brendan O'Brien on the Mellotron. It adds so much to the song. I would say to people, ju- listen to this song, because what you normally listen to is the guitar, the bass, the vocals, the backing vocals. Just focus on that Mellotron part. Mm. It's amazing. The variation, it's almost like he's playing a lead part through the whole song. Yeah. It's the most beautiful thing. Well, it's very clever when, when musicians do that on an instrument which is intended to be in the background. Hmm. Play something which is you know, quite in, complicated and involved, but it's only there as a, as a, a, you know, a background layer. Yeah. But when you, when you focus in on it, you can truly appreciate that it really is an a integral part of the song. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more with you, Sam. Fantastic from Bob. And also... Yeah, thank you, Bob. We've got up there, uh, experimentation is the seed of creativity. That's what I've written here for that fade-in. They were trying different... They're clearly just trying things. What sounds cool, what what works, what doesn't work. Play from the beginning, doesn't sound right. Come in there to abrupt. Literally fade two things in. What if we fade it in? Experimentation is the seed of creativity. It's great. And the the pre-choruses on this song, it rises and rises and rises. The swan's doing great work. Yes. And then it goes into that pre-chorus. 
Feeling so good that day. Oh, right. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Feeling love that day. And that's a proper release into that part. And then it goes into... The chorus. The, the, the chorus, which is another rise. Yeah. I don't know. Just, just the pre-choruses, to me, are actually the best parts of the song. The chorus, oh, yeah. The chorus is, is good. It's great. Yeah. But it's those. Um, I mean, when he says, "I don't know what, yeah. when, or why," and really drags. Love I know. I've j- literally written that line down, and he really drags the. I don't know what, I when, don't know what, when, or why. Keep going. Twilight love had arrived. One, two, three, go, go. Twisting and turning, your feelings are burning, you're breaking the girl. Johnny Boy. She <laughs> But that's where you get John in full voice. It's a proto-John voice, I think of it as. When it, oh, like, I think that's both of them. When he's saying, yeah, but when John's saying, I think, um, she, she loves no one else. You can really hear that. Like classic for Shantae. Oh, that kind of uh, yeah, I know. You know, you know I what I mean, I but I can't describe how you've described it in the past. But yeah, yeah. but it's it, it's it's a nascent version of that, yeah. and it, it develops later into. I think maybe I described it in the past as like an empty sound or a hollow sound. That's right. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. So let's let's talk. Well, he was to a them. young man, wasn't he, at this stage? Well, he's twenty-one. 21 years old. Imagine being that young and you're you're delivering... Because, obviously, he looked up to this one. Their relationship at this time was not... Far far from perfect. Far from perfect, we'll say. Him and Flea were a lot more bonded, I think, and you can see that on Funky Monks. Well, of course, him and Flea had a fully developed friendship, um, which was based on equality. The power of that. Um, And the power of that was, was there for everyone to see. The relationship that John had with the Swan at this stage, and he has spoken about this. Yeah, since. it looks slightly tricky. Um, yeah, he 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 was he was younger, and that played a big part. He was new newer into the band, and the Swan didn't necessarily always treat him I, I as think, an equal. I, I think, think that's highlighted on Funky Monks in the beard shaving scene. Yeah. When I think John's, it looks like John's really looking for affirmation yes. from the Swan. Yes, and the Swan's not, not really not, giving it to him. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you know that all came out in the wash. Yeah, those that that is those, those are things that they've. And John got his revenge on Saturday Night Live, of course. <laughs> he did. Yes. <laughs> And it's what sweet revenge it was. <laughs> it certainly was. So, okay. Although we have spoken about the fact that the, the Swan actually dealt with that situation pretty well, I thought. He didn't sound like, in terms of how he sounded, he could have been completely thrown. Oh, the Saturday Night Live situation? Yeah. Oh, no. People, yeah, like in Scottish, I could read directly from Scottish about it. Yeah. But I don't, it doesn't Pardon sound that bad. a gas bad. pocket in my lungs. <laughs> yeah. A pocket of gas coming directly mm. from the lungs. <laughs> No, I think the Swan sounds okay. Yeah, he does. Because for all you know, for all everyone's ever said about the Swan and his ability, I've I've always found him to be absolutely good, absolutely good, absolutely good. What a, <laughs> what a ringing endorsement! <laughs> no, but by that I mean he's never bad. Like he 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 varies from being 
absolutely brilliant to good. But he's never, for me, he's never less than absolutely good. No, that's fair enough. And, and I guess in a life situation. But some people make out as if he's, sometimes he's like woefully bad. No, he? no, he's not. No. no. It's best he's brilliant. It's worst he's absolutely good. Yeah. If that's what we're saying, then I think that's, that's, that's pretty that's good. That's pretty good. So right. if we heard from Ambassador Wise there, <laughs> we've heard from, um, oh no, we've, we've, we've spoken about JJ. JJ's done. done that. Give me a bit of Amos. All right, what does Amos have to say about breaking the girl? He says this. Played in 3-3 whilst time, Ben to confirm. Uh, well, uh, it's been confirmed by... It will be confirmed by Aiden in the future, and it's been confirmed by Jack at 6-8. This song dances beautifully around the acoustic guitar and some lovely singing from AK, of the kind we'd never heard from him before. Most certainly. This is the beginning of the Red Hot Chili Peppers ballad, Salad, if you will, nice. that would serve them so well on every album to follow. The percussion breakdown section is an absolute joy, made, made be- only better when it is seen recorded in sections of the Funky Monks film. Yeah. I, okay, well, let's, let's get to that percussion section then, because... If it sounds like you might have some beef with it. Well... <laughs> What's your problem? Does it fit the song? Yes. Fine. <laughs> But does it, really, yes. when, you, when you actually listen to it? It's, it's the way I've always looked at this, and I say always, but mm. I, I thought, just thought of this a minute ago. Is it's a load of people banging and a load of metal. Oh, no, I've always thought of it like that. Nah. Um, you know, you're talking about breaking the girl, you're talking about fractured relationships, you're, you're talking about imperfections in, in the human heart. Now, what they're playing are pieces of imperfect, um, some would call it junk, Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I think it's absolutely spot on because they're taking something which can could be considered to be of little worth and turning it into a beautiful sounding part of a beautiful song. So imperfection in the human heart, imperfection in the recording material, the overall... Vibe? Vibe is perfection. So okay. never discard something based on its physical appearance. Look, I like that analysis. Mm. I really do. It's poetic. It's romantic. Has it pulled you back in? Ah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't hate this part of the song. And in fact, uh, one of Vanessa's songs that I wrote uh, called Late September 53... Or 63, I can't remember. Uh, I love you, darling, but I can't remember. Late September 53? Nah, unknown. 63? Yeah, it might be 63. But, 73? Um, search bentanzomusic.com. That's not it. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it's bentanzomusic.net. Search that, you'll be able to listen to it yourself. Can't remember the name of the song. Can't, <laughs> can't remember the name of the website. But I, I did steal that idea of breaking a song, of breaking a song down yeah. into that kind of distinctive thing. Uh, do I love it? No, I don't. I, I don't really love it. So you're, what fun. you're saying is then that this song can't be a 10 out of 10 for you? No, it's not. Cakey's back. Cakey, you know in Breaking the Girl? Yes. When it, it, you've got that middle section with all banging bits of metal. Mm-hmm. Do you think that works or not? Sam thinks it does. I'm less sure. I'm not a big fan. Okay, he's not a big fan. I've I'm always out, said that back. I'm outvoted. Uh, yeah, you are, yeah. But I don't think that, you know, I think it is possible for two people to both be wrong. I think that's what's happened here. Okay, well, I'm going to go to RHCP Riffs, Breaking the Girl, 12-string um, uh, acoustics, 
double tracked, one hard left, one hard right, as, as we spoke about earlier, but I only knew that because uh, this particular person told me. Because you do it, yeah. At the end of the song, there are two electric, uh, two electric guitar overdubs that are probably recorded straight into the Neve uh, 10 Century preamp. That beautiful outro, though. What do you think about that? Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding. Do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm re- referencing here? <laughs> yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, look, I, there's nothing wrong. I, I, I think every every single aspect of this song is perfection. I would call this a 10 out of 10. Okay, well, let's go to Aiden and see what he's got to say about the bass parts. So that's the, um, that's the verse riff to Breaking the Girl. Flea's much more in um, he's much more in a songwriter frame of mind than like the funky, slappy flea kind of mind. So there's not quite so much to dive into here. That verse riff, um, it repeats it pretty much exactly every time he does it. I'll play it for you again. And he does that for the introduction, he does that for the verse. This takes us to the bridge. Um, which is, I think, a fantastic example of Flea using melody on the bass to add interest to the part. I kind of see this as another tune that's happening below the vocal line. Nice, isn't it? It's kind of a pretty line. It's not... Um, it's not, like I said, it's not crazy, slappy, technically fast, but then that's not what the song needs. The song needs a real, a real bass line, I guess. <laughs> a standard bass line, I should say, for this one. And that's kind of what, what that one is. As we get into the chorus, it's, um, Flea simp- simplifies even more. Do you see what I mean? So it's just kind of keeping the pulse going, keeping the root note motion going. And the root note is the note that really defines the chord, so he's really establishing that. Um, and that's pretty much the whole song. There's one other bit in the song which I should probably show you, which is when they're going crazy with the percussion. If you haven't seen the um, Funky Monks documentary, um, then check it out. If you have seen it, you'll know exactly what I mean. It's great fun, this bit. Um, here we go, I'll play it for you. That's it. That happens eight times in a row. I'll play it for you again. Um, yeah, and that's it. I mean, that's basically the whole song. There, uh, there's a nice moment later on in the um, in the last chorus where Flea goes right up to his fifteenth fret on the bass. Which is really cool. That's right at the end of the song before the fade out. Um, but I think this song really is just a great example of Flea listening to what the song needs and what the song deserves and crafting a bass line that fits perfectly underneath and sits in between the busy acoustic guitars and those bombastic, there's a word, bombastic drums of Chad. Um, and just kind of, he, he's the linchpin that holds everything together, I think. Which is why we see more repetition in this song than we might do normally. 
because this is Flea in his real songwriting mode. And we're back. Aidan, that was a fantastic breakdown of the bass parts and very much an indication of, uh, as Aidan says, where this is a songwriting process rather than do what's right for the song rather than do what's right for you, which is always a key part to making something cohesive. Well, I think if you're ever going to obtain musical perfection, you have to do it in a selfless way, especially if you're part of a band. I, do you know, I'm thinking we end it there. I think that's a very profound and correct thing to say. But before we end it, I will say Breaking the Girl is 9 out of 10. Because of the middle. Yeah. Funkly Monkly may make we make our way out of Funky Monks, don't we? Together, this is a journey that we do, we do together. One hundred episodes. Oh my word! One hundred episodes of Funkly Monkly. Should we just stand up and have a cuddle? We've, we've just literally oh, sat back down, but no, shall we? It's episode one hundred, mate. We didn't say one hundred. I'll take this coat off. Yeah, thank, thank God. Take that noisy coat off. I'll take my um, Bournemouth hoodie off. Okay, this is a special cuddle. We're taking off our top layers. <laughs> Very well done. Well, thanks, mate. It's been a, a wonderful journey. Not to say that it's, uh, you know, coming to an end. No, but well, we've got at least three more episodes of Blood Sugars to do. But. Yeah, and we've got to finish Mother's Milk. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we haven't even touched upon the new albums in terms of a, an official breakdown. No, we haven't. So we've got plenty of, there's plenty of life in this old dog. Yet. Yet. Are you calling me an old dog or referring to the podcast as an old dog? Uh, what's best? What's, what's the better option out of those two? Mate. Probably the podcast. I'm happy to be called an old dog. As you, know, as you well know, I did a handstand well, that's last pretty, night. Yes. I, my arms gave way and I fell on my face and bashed my head. You did, you poor sausage. Hmm. Um, as podcasts go, this is a relatively young pup. 100 episodes is, is a landmark, but there are, there are other podcasts and I, you know, I don't like to shine a light on this well should, should we just say that we are part of the deep dive podcast network well that's yes and get out there listen to there's tons of great podcasts on that at least a ton mm. a metric ton <laughs> yeah. a metric ton of full quality content yes go and check it out because you know if you like this you'll love the others as we funkily come out of monthly funks yes mate this album this this first side oh. is absolutely banging. Give me Amos. Give me Amos first. Right, Amos says, "What a funky guitar intro! The drums on this song are some of my favourite ever." Chad playing. 
The bass drum and flea bass line are totally locked in. The hi-hat gives the song a very open, airy feel. This song is super tight. One of my favourite ever chilly songs of all time. Wow. I'll tell you, I'll tell you I'm going to get to RHCP Praise riffs. indeed. I'm going to, this is so interesting. RHCP riffs. Probably a strap. The intro is... Rec- this, is, this is the proper interesting part. This is a nugget. That I didn't know. A golden nugget. The casino and the snooker player. Mm. The intro is recorded with a microphone in front of the electric guitar, but no amp. So, essentially, an acoustic electric guitar. Incredible. As I said to you, once you know that, mm. it's turned up so high, so it's picking it up, so it's of usable value. Yeah. That you can hear fingers on, literally hear fingers on frets. Yeah. And later on, the whole song is played fingerstyle by John. So no plectrum. This is a loose GTP. So fingerstyle means you play the fingers and play the plectrum. Means you a play GTP the is a GTP. Man. A GTP is a GTP. Sounds quite right. Whole song is played fingerstyle, including that first part of the guitar solo. And this is we go back to the power of quality. You know, I said it really annoyed me when it cuts off like that. Yeah. This is what I was talking about. With, I said we'd get to Funky Monks. When it, it breaks, I got a little, little, and it goes quiet, and you can hear Chad, and JJ's going to, JJ was the man who put this out to me. Yeah. You can hear him go, two, three, four, and then it goes into John playing that, that yeah. quiet lead part. Yeah. That's played with the fingers. And no, you can that's, hear him. That's, uh, that's a, a natural atmosphere for you. Natural atmosphere, or I call it naturosphere. <laughs> Yeah, but you can hear John Atmos, pulling Atmos. the strings, popping, popping the strings almost. Yeah, can he pop a string? Yeah, well, no, wait, 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 absolutely, wait. slap and pop. But technically, technically, yes. So yeah, that whole thing, apart that the whole song, apart from that second part of the solo, you know, it goes big, and that's the part that the second part of that solo when it kicks in with the big wild, really powerful. Chad comes in, the band's back in, it goes, yes. it goes crazy. That was when uh, John said that was like a parody of a, of a rock band doing a solo. But the thing is, absolutely bloody love it. The, the reason that things become parodiable, parodiable is because they're popular. Really enough. good and popular. Yeah. <laughs> that they are considered good. So if you parody something really well, you end up with a good product. And not only that, you're bound to attract a new audience. Of people who don't know what you're parodying. Well, quite, because I love that guitar sound. I don't think I was a parody. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you're on to a winner. This is, what, this is what you've done. This is what all songwriters do. They borrow from other songs. Steal. Yeah, well, I, you, know, I don't, you know, I don't like to say... Yeah, I don't like to... Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to bring the law into this. No. But they borrow from things that they've heard and liked and put them into new songs which people hear for the first time and go oh wow that sounds great they've never heard what they, the song that it was borrowed from no, so they right. don't know it's borrowed real real this is this is this is another point that um john makes when he's talking to reuben when he's talking about writing on the bridge yeah. he's saying we we me and flea were thought we were ripping people off yeah uh there's this song where they missed the one beat into the chorus yeah and when we actually spoke to people about it later they said, well, I played the two songs back to back. I don't hear it. Yeah. It's because it evolves into a different thing. Yeah. Absolutely nick something. I nick, uh, nothing for me, the Insidious song, which is, I think, one of your favourite Insidious songs, 
was nicked from, a, a, I think it was an extreme song that I couldn't play. Oh, Little Jack Horney. But yeah, you borrow and you beg, borrow and steal sometimes mm-hmm. when you need something. Yeah, of course, of course. To say it's a parody of, of, of a classic rock uh, song makes it sound as if that, that should right, be... Right, a classic ne- rock solo. A classic rock solo, thank you. It makes it sound as if that should be a negative. But of course it isn't. I've, I'm going to lead into getting JJ here, Magic Johnson, by saying what do you call a drum roll that is copying another song? Sorry, is this a question or a joke? It's both. Oh, right, well, what do you call it? A parody diddle. Brilliant. Because a parody diddle is a thing. Right. On drums. And then you call it a parody diddle. A parody diddle, yeah. Yeah, uh, JJ. Yeah. Funky Monks, he likes this one, I tell you. Arguably my favourite song on the album. High praise indeed. First of all, the kit sounds so punchy. No snare ghost notes from Chad, just clean, reverby, high-tuned snare hits. Bassy kick drum sound and crisp hi-hats. The playing is a true masterclass in linear funk drumming. Linear drumming basically means there are no two limbs playing at the same time. Oh, this is amazing. When I read this drum, it blew my tiny mind. Tell, JJ, Magic Johnson, tell me what linear drumming During is. the verses, Chad is playing something different with all four of his limbs. Off beats on the hi-hats... Snare on the 2-4 and accenting flea with his kick drum. I have very vivid memories of sitting on the number 35 bus to band practice in Sunderland, trying to figure out what to do with my feet in order to play this song. Very difficult to wrap your head around. And once you've... Again, this is another example of once you've, know, once you've heard something, once you've been told something for the first time, you can't not pick it up the next time you listen to the song. Incredible analysis from JJ. Yeah, it really is. Chad couldn't be playing a more simple beat during the chorus, which is offset perfectly against the busy bass and guitar that Flea and John are playing. 124, listen how musical that fill is. It matches note for note what John is playing and almost matches tonally too. Again, another advantage of having more rack toms on the kit during the recording. 232, if you're listening on a good quality pair of headphones, you'll be able to hear Chad saying two, three, four yeah. during the break between the chorus and the bridge. Pretty no, cool. No artificial cuts. 446. The first audible snare ghost note of the entire song. So subtle, but so good to leave it until the end of the song to throw one in there. I could listen to that outro for hours and hours and hours. What a tune. Yeah, tune. Hypnotic. Okay, let's get into it over on this side. We have talked about uh, RHCP riffs. We've got his input. We've got JJ's. Have we done Amos? We've done Amos, yeah. Great. Only Aiden left to be done. Pop him in. No, I'll pop him in in a minute. Once we get to some of the more complicated bass parts, we might leave Aiden to the end here when it gets really funky at the end. To Polish it off with amp. Yes, exactly. After that incredible acoustic slash electric introduction, Revelation. we go into hearing the band crash in You've got John now playing a really bright tone, still finger picked, still finger picked, but obviously everything goes much louder. Bright this. as a burning star. Busy line. Hang on, all sorry, all stars are burning, aren't they? Right. Flea playing that as we as you see in Funky Monks, playing that much simpler bass line. Yes. What about Swan here? What do you think about his delivery? Well, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because mm, there are no marks in my band. This is an interesting one, isn't it? 
<laughs> because there's a prolonged musical build-up. Mm. So there is the potential for the swan to fall flat on his face unless he delivers something as good as what the musicians, the, the players are playing. I'll tell you what he does, though. He delivers in spades. He delivers not only in spades, but two spades, because he does the lead line and the backing line yes. through a megaphone. There are no mics in my band. There are no mics in my band. So who's doing the backing vocals here? Is it John and Flea? Oh, it's right in my pocket as well. It is, actually. So um, we'll, we'll do that. Okay. You do it, because I've, I've lost... No, you do the lead line. Oh. I'll do you on the road. Can't, and you do, can't give you love from here. Okay, fine. Yeah. I thought it was in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see... Okay, I'm in. Okay. Okay, well, you've done it. I thought One. you're doing it again. Yeah, but you're going to sing the next part, Sean. Yeah, I will. One, two, three, four. You are on the road. Great. Bum, bum, bum. Can I get a little loving from you? Can I get a little bit of that dum de do You are on the road. Tell me now, girl, did you need me to? Oh, tell me now, girl, because I got a feeling for you. So that's that's basically how great the choruses are. No, they and, and as we were saying, the swan could have fallen flat. He doesn't fall flat. No, he, he falls rocks. Uh, vertically, so, horizontally. Uh, no, if he, that, if he fell horizontally, horizontally, he would have fallen so flat. So he falls vertically. If he falls vertically, he, he just stays up. up. <laughs> yeah. Which I suppose is is not only the goal when you're doing Fall. what he was doing, mm. but uh, of every it's day just not, It's just not falling. Don't fall over. I suppose if you were to. I mean, we can't go. <laughs> okay. So, should we go to Aiden? <laughs> yeah, we'll go to Aiden. Aiden, tell us. I'm about sure the he's going. <laughs> sure, he's going to clear up the uh, <laughs> yeah. the vertical and horizontal falling debate. You might not clear this up, but please talk sensibly. Okay, funky monks. Um, I'm going to start this one off with another technical bass point. In that, Flea is not using his four-string wall bass for this. He's using a five-string stingray. A five-string bass is like a normal four-string bass with the addition of a lower string. So I've got my five-string in front of me here. If I start from the thinnest, the higher string, going down to the low string, we've got a G, we've got a D, we've got an A, we've got an E, and then the extra additional low string is a B. Now, if you listen to this on your phone, you probably won't be able to hear anything because um, phone speakers are so small, they can't normally cope with such a low tone. Um, but if you're on a good quality pair of headphones, and hopefully my B string is coming through loud and clear. There it is. Okay, so here's the verse riff. And that's pretty much it. It's really simple. It's really simple, very repetitive. We have some moments of variation in there. So halfway through it goes. That little phrase comes in. Um, and leading us into the chorus, we have. How fat is that note? A low C. So you can't reach that note on a normal four string bass. That's right down on my fifth B string. The chorus. Really nice little bit at the end where he doubles up with that melody. 
which is really cool. Um, I'll do it again. And then we're back into that kind of a uh, funky for the second verse. That's pretty much it for the whole song, apart from um, I said, if you have to ask, was my, probably my favourite flea bass line. There are two bass lines in here, which are just a f- a fantastic flea bass lines, um, which I don't think, there's some bass lines on, in Blood Sugar Sex Magic, so I don't think he's really paralleled in, in later releases. Check this one out. which is great, isn't it? Really, again, really quirky and funky and flea. It then changes key. So we were in the key of B there. Now I'm going to play it in D and flea takes it down to the low B string. really good that um i'm gonna fast forward right to the end of the song um i'm not gonna say anything i'm just gonna play you this Just brilliant. I mean, if I get really technical here, it's, it's using the Dorian mode. Um, the overall chord is like a B minor seven, and if you're playing in a Dorian mode, it's like you're playing the funkiest minor scale there is because it's got this note in it. And that's the note that Flea starts on. So again, I've mentioned this before, but Flea says, oh, I don't know any theory. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just playing what I hear and playing what I feel. Well, he's listened to enough funk and jazz music to know that this note, the Dorian note, is really funky. So he he kind of hinges the whole line off that and then does loads of little bits of chromaticism. I'm playing lots of adjacent frets. He's leaping up and down the neck. Maybe that's the seventh and the eighth fret. But it's, um, it's brilliant. It's just great. And they make a real feature of this because it goes on for quite a while and then it serves as the fade out for the song. Um, so next time you listen to the song, now you can picture Flea playing this on a bass that's got five strings rather than four and really listen out for that last bit because it's just brilliant. Brilliant, sensible analysis there from Aiden. Well, I, I must admit, we listened to Aiden's analysis, didn't we, prior oh, to... Man. This is a format that I really love because it opens your ears. This guitar solo... Oh, Christ. Mate, he does... Um, here's, a, here's a bingo uh, bingo ticker. Tried and tested triplets. Once he gets into that powder that we spoke of at um, 3.06 time code, it's the tried and tested triplets. Oh, man. This solo is off the scale for me. And the way he bends back in and it goes into the, um, the third chorus. Talk to me about the outro. That's 
probably my favourite part of the song. Well, is the outro the most iconic part of this song? Yes. No. The intro. It's amazing because you've got... Yeah. The intro is the most iconic part. But the outro is... Well, one the of outro things, is longer. Yeah, the outro is one of the things I used to love playing in And it's our second fade-out, of course. Oh, and I hate fade-outs. But I love this fade-out into... What about jerk. Breaking the Girl? That fades out. That, I thought that was a beautiful fade-out. That was my previous favourite fade-out. Mm. Into this song, which then fades out into that noise. When I'm sailing... <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, should we touch on it now? Have we got anything else to say about... Oh, we were about to talk about the outro. Well, it's brilliant. It's iconic. Play, playing it live on in the lukewarms was one of those things where we just thought, well, don't, don't stop. No. We could just keep doing this all night. We can't stop. Addicted to the shindig, we said, before we knew that song had been written. No, it was written. By the way, yeah, no, it was, yeah. That's <laughs> we used to play it. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. No, that was another lie. Here's a song, what did you usually think? Here's a song we wrote ourselves. <laughs> I just thought, I thought, I can't believe I've written this brilliant guitar line. <laughs> I can't believe I've written this excellent song that sounds like it could, could be off a... This could be a future a hit. Multi, <laughs> a multi, <laughs> multi I just couldn't believe I Which other songs did you thought we'd written? Did, you think, way, did you think we'd written? <laughs> well, basically, um, by the way, University Speaking, yeah. Dost, I was... This is the place I was very keen on. I was, I think the best song we ever wrote was Don't Forget Me. Baron von Munchausen was to or have ejaculated the two of us being university speaking Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast onto a chessboard, then I would say Suck My Kiss would be the perfect player to manipulate that particular board. Mm. Am I close? Close enough. He didn't say manipulate. What does he say? The perfect player for that particular board. Okay. Well, I think Suck My Kiss is the perfect player to manipulate. Does he ever say manipulate? No. Look, manipulate this. Suck My Kiss is great. <laughs> As we come out of Suck My Kiss, I'm going to go straight to RHCP riffs. Okay. Just to cover off some technical points. More of the technical area. Now, this is about the effects used on the album. I put my phone in pocket, which will lead to this delay, but now I'm talking again. Effects pedals, the Dodd Stereo Cross FX65, the MXR Dino Comp. Now, another brilliant Chili's... Um, uh, uh, YouTube channel, Dave Simpson. Dave, ah, I can't believe, I can't remember really what it's called. I think it might be called that. He elucidates on the importance of the compression on blood sugar. Yes. You can really hear that on Under the Bridge. We'll get that later. Yeah. The other WH10Y, of course, Boss DS2, and the EHX Big Muff. But suck my kiss. What's it all about? And just how good is it? Well, you know, we've we've touched upon. Tender, we've touched upon funk, we've touched upon aggressive rap. Politically charged rap. 
And now we're touching upon pure aggression. This is, I just put it, it kicks all kind of ass. What a riff. I mean, this is uh, or, above or, and beyond. It is. Or, or as uh, a younger Samuel Townsend might have said, what an unbelievable rift. Oh, a rift. <laughs> yeah, I know. But as I said previously, when I didn't know, I thought it called paracords instead of power chords. Yes. When Nirvana broke through. Yes. And everyone's going about paracords. Yeah. I couldn't check the internet. It didn't and, exist. And rifts. Yeah. There was continental rifts. Yeah, rifts. Slash rifts. Yeah. And uh, paralegals doing power, power legals. <laughs> <laughs> paralegals playing paracords. Yeah. It was a very confusing time. Pre-internet. You, you, you had to trust your gut. Yeah. And my gut was pretty much always wrong. <laughs> yeah. This, though, this, what I love about this riff from John is the open, the drone on um, the, uh, it's such a, well, let's talk about this one first. Yeah, I'm sailing, yeah. yeah. And there's the drone. Because he's not just playing a single note there. No. On that drone, you know. And for a long time, I didn't, it's that kind of thing, you didn't hear the drone. But it's so clearly there. And it makes the world a difference. It really, it, it drags it. It mm. makes it drag a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it gives you that extra heavy feel. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it does, yeah. John and Flea here, working in unison, also highlight just how heavy and droney this song is. Because they're both playing so similar things, it, it gives it that added depth. Everyone's going to talk stabs here, so who are we going to start off with talking stabs? Will it be Aiden? Will it be Amos? Will it be JJ, Double Fish Hooks, Magic Johnson? Well, let's, let's, let's go to Amos, first of all. Okay. He was there. He knows, he knows how this shit, this shit went yeah. down. He says, In NME at the time was a full-page advert with massive bold lettering that said, Suck my kiss. Suck my what? Then in much smaller writing... And other songs are on Blood Sugar Sex Magic, the new album by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. A great bit of advertising. I tried to find a copy of it. Anyway, to the song itself. This song kicks serious ass. Mm. It feels like every member of the band is hitting it as hard as possible for the entire song. The bass and drum break section in each chorus absolutely make the song for me. The song embodies the musical telepathy that the band developed through this through the years. An absolute belter of a song. And a perfect end to side one. And I think that's a very, very good point. Yeah. Because it's it's a hard stop, isn't it? Yeah, when you're dealing with records, you're dealing with side A, you're dealing with side B. Yeah. John touched on this in the um, interviews with... Double R. Double R. Yeah, he did. When you're building an album to be released... Oh, yeah, it's the song structure. It's yeah. the song structure. You want each Track side yeah. to make sense. Imagine the first side of your album going like this. That mouth was made to suck my kiss. And not only are you doing that, but it's blowing out as well. Because yeah. the swan is so close and is distorting. That's the end of side one. You sit back and you think, my word, I've just had my world changed forever. I'm going to take a couple of moments to compose myself before I turn the record over. 
you then walk across to the record player, flip the record, the record, <laughs> turn it over, if you will, and then what do you get? A lovely uh, little uh, what, one of the best songs. What you and get is one of the best songs as well, mate. I can't and then wait you for part two. And you, you're eased in. Yeah. You're eased in. Part two is going to start with I could have lied. Yeah, and I can tell you what I could have. I mean, that's six now, six in a yeah, row. Yeah, we, we must. They've hit it out. The, they've they've hit yeah, it out. Yeah, seven's fucking mellowship, isn't it? So let's let's carry on. We, to, this park. It's got twelve minutes before this need park to leave. has been destroyed. Twelve minutes before my taxi is here. Okay, so. so so okay, that's what Amos had to say about. It. He was there. Okay, I'm going to go to RHCP riffs. Uh, Strat. Ah, uh, this is uh, this is great stuff. The amps uh, are the two Marshalls with the Boss TS2 going to the bright amp only on the right. The darker, you know, the, the more kind of brown sounding or, mm. or, or bass sounding amp is clean. So if you really listen to it, and I didn't know this, you can hear the DS2 on one side and a clean signal going to the other side. So splitting the signal. It's, 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 it's 21-year-old... John Fashante, genius. Well, the great, I suppose the great thing about being a, a professional musician is that you don't have anything else to think about. Well, certainly not if someone's doing your laundry. <laughs> no. So you can, you can make these tiny differences, can't you? Because that's your focus. It'd be, wouldn't it, imagine being able to just dedicate yourself to a, a record like this. Well, that's what John says in The Funky Monks. He says this was the most the thing I'm most proud of. He's taken most seriously. Proud, yeah, hundred percent proud of this. <laughs> he didn't want to leave because he knew once they left, he knew. Oh, well, I think deep well, down we, it was going to. We saw the future. Well, we didn't see the future. We have seen the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we know we know what happened, and I think he deep down knew that when he left that house, things were never going to be the same again. That was one of his. Clearly, that was one of the most. Greatest experiences of his life. That's when he was uh, having synesthesia, which he said he'd lost uh, shortly after that. Yeah. Really hard time for, for the guy. So, yeah, clearly difficult times for, for John. As you say, hard times to come, but that was to come, and what followed was more genius, wasn't it? Of course it was. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll go back to RHCP riffs. There's a wobbly effect on the guitar during the entire song. It's most noticeable during the bam, ba, bam, bam, ba, bam, 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 bam. We can really hear it. Um, uh, it might be a Leslie rotating speaker, the most obvious option, which right. is literally a speaker that sits in a cabinet that rotates so it goes wobbly. Yeah. But you can hear in, um, like, oh, baby, think you can. You can hear the guitar going. Yeah. I thought to myself, if that's not a Leslie rotator, I don't know what it is. If that's not a Leslie rotator speaker, I will... I'll eat my hat. Hmm. I'll buy a hat. No, I didn't. I, in fact, I didn't even wait to find out. I just ate it. <laughs> I was wondering why you weren't wearing a hat. No, well, it was delicious. Did you eat it before you came around? Yeah. Oh, no, it was just, just before you came. I'd, I'd just finished it. A hatless brother. <laughs> yeah. So... Let's talk about the chorus then. But I love that pre-chorus. All of that stuff. I'll baby think you can. Be my girl, I'll be your man. Of course, played this one at my wedding. Yes. Which was, you were in your waistcoat. Well, and the swan, this is again, this, you know, John and Flea are, are totally locked in here. 
Chad's absolutely oh, this laying is, it down. This is Chad being at Chad's chaddiest. Listen how tight he is. Hi, Hatstab. This guy is on top of his game. Yeah. And again, can the swan deliver? Absolutely. I've seen him literally do it in his bed. Should have been, could have been, would have been, been dead if, if I didn't get a message going to my head. head. Should have been. What he means by that is he should have been, could have been, could have been, and he would have been, been dead if he. Didn't. Oh man, you're right. I never, never put that together. What I love also about is his use of the double motherfucker. So I uh, should have been, could have been, would have been dead if the guest message came to my head. I am what I am. Most motherfuckers don't give a damn. But later on, most motherfuckers. Uh, what's the following motherfucker? I don't know. Have a cold ass stare. Oh, mo- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Most motherfuckers have a cold ass stare. Well, and sometimes when people swear in songs, it sticks out like a sore thumb. No, this is the only song that the house ambassador, my lovely wife Vanessa, will belt out and sing all of the... Yeah, the, including the expletives. It, yeah, she won't beat them out. Okay, so obviously, let's um, get to the three to one stabs from uh, JJ, shall we? JJ's got a lot to say about this. What a powerhouse of a tune. There's a ton of accenting going on here. The kick drum matching with the accents of the riff during the intro and the verse, as well as the hi-hat stabs. Flea, John and Tad are so tight and so in sync. And it is that, that's what gives the song its driving... Oh, that's what, it has to be that much in sync. Yeah, yeah. Without, without that, you could have ended up... It's you, a mess. A, a serious mishmash. Yeah. And that's what they, I think they were trying to avoid. You put a mishmash at five. Then I could have lied. Tricky. Yeah, so it, it is. That's what gives it the driving force, and then the swan over the top. Oh, it's it, it's some swan specific. But the brakes as well, like you know, as you were saying, when John goes down, 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 it has those moments of relief. So it's not just a you know you could. Oh no no no, absolutely, and you have that that held chord. Did it around. Bam. Yeah. Real moments of. Um, of hold and release, mm. real moments of hold and release, and also when John is playing on the chorus, says, um, "Hit, uh, John's playing that line. Yeah, hit me, you can't hurt me. Suck my kiss, kiss me, please pervert me. Yeah, wham, way more open. Real yeah. moments of on again. It's another stoppy starty song as well. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Yeah. So we've had Power of Quality, Stoppy Starty. Uh, if you have to ask, less so, but Funky... Um, breaking the Golden so, but Funky Monk's definitely Stoppy yeah. Starty. It's very, very cleverly put together. And it's all so subtle. Because if you think about it, you just think, they've just hit me in the face with a kipper. But actually, when you break it down, what they've done is, to make it palatable... They've seasoned it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, but they've... They're doing these little subtle things to make it so that you, you think you've, you've heard one thing, hmm. but there's so much more going on. And this is why even a song like this, I thought this would be the song out of all five that we'd, we'd just... No, going, no, mate. When I listened through to them, I thought, this is the tune. This is the tune. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to have Aiden. He's going to talk about the bass parts. Track number five, Suck My Kiss. Another another banger. God, this is a good album, isn't it? All right, number five, Suck My Kiss. So the way I see this one is less about being funky and being improvisational and being really kind of quirky. It's just, it's just making these riffs sound huge. This is more of a collection of riffs um, 
than I think we've seen in the previous songs on the album. Um, I'll play the first one. Here we go. Cool, isn't it? So we're in the key of G minor. Um, and as I've said before, um, G minor pentatonic is like the rock scale. So a lot of these notes are based up of the notes from that scale, which is kind of typical. We, we'd see that in classic rock. Led Zeppelin used that scale a lot in Deep Purple. And um, contemporary bands of the Chili's like Rage Against the Machine you use this scale all the time. So it's a very familiar sound. The bit that makes this riff really cool, I think, is that... We're stepping outside of that scale. And it's got that rise about it, which makes it really exciting. So that's the first riff. Um, and then we head into the kind of the complementary riff that, that tags onto the end of it. That tricky bit's at the end. And that is what John plays in the guitar. Um, Flea doesn't always quite catch that. So rather than being more like... Because that um, I'm hammering on and pulling off, which is where a uh, bass technical point, a hammer on is where you pluck the note and then produce the next note by whacking on your hand on the fretboard so hard that you get another note. A pull off is the opposite, where you pluck a note and then remove your finger in such a way that you produce a new note. Um, by fingers behind on the fretboard, which is hard enough to do at the best of times, but when you're on these low, fat strings of a bass, I think we can forgive Flea for not always executing that as cleanly as the guitar. And to be honest, this song's all about the attitude and the approach. So um, we can forgive him the odd little note here or there because it just sounds so cool all the way through, doesn't it? Um, okay, here's the verse. Etc. and it finishes with um which is a great way to lead us into the chorus um, so it's basically it's basically the riff that we had before interjected with the um and this is another example of chromaticism because we're like i said before in a key of g minor which we can picture as a third fret um, this bass line plays an F and then an F sharp and then a G. So it's doing first fret, second fret, third fret. So it's leading back into that root note um, from below, fret by fret. Let's have a listen to the chorus here. Again, really, really cool. I think, I think the interesting part of here is the syncopation. Bum, 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 bum. And syncopation is when notes fall not on the beat, but in like the funky subdivisions of the beat that are either side of the strong bits, strong moments of the beat. So it sounds great. And of course, when you have Chad and John playing that with you, it's going to sound huge, isn't it? 
that is pretty much the whole song because like i said this is a collection of riffs and i've pretty much played all the riffs for you one moment i think is really cool to mention is if i play the uh, fifth and sixth bar of the first chorus we have if i play the fifth and sixth bar of the second chorus we have which is similar, but it's missing a note. So that the last, the, the first chorus finishes with three notes. The second chorus finishes with two notes. So guess what the third chorus does? Exactly, it finishes with one note. So it sounds like. Okay, apart from that, um, this song is just, a, is just um, a, an excellent example of Flea's strong attack. Um, the way he sits in the groove is brilliant. Him and Chad have such a fantastic connection. And in, at no point does this sound boring or lazy or unexciting. It's just like a thrill ride the whole way through. And that's because Flea and Chad have this amazing connection. That's the fifth song of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Thank you, as always, for inviting me onto the podcast. I always love doing it. And I can't wait to see you soon for more. Thank you very much, Aidan. Beautifully broken down again. And as he says, what you were doing to, it's the most riff heavy song so you think oh it's it's the least sophisticated so it's gonna be the most boring yeah actually it's fucking phenomenal let's get to the solo though which is absolutely open string fest with a so john's playing gtp i guess but an stp a solo technical point john's playing a proper hammer pull hammer pull so one two three so he plays a note Hammers on and pulls off. So, and then to the open string. Plays that for the first two bars. And then just keeps hammering the open string. Yeah. And when I say hammering the open string, not hammering as in hammering on, this is getting slightly confusing, I'm, I'm sure. But a lot of open string work. Yeah. And then I said to you, listen, in the other ear, you've got a wobbly guitar line coming in. Did you hear that? In yes. the other ear. Yeah, in the left. Like a drunken kind of guitar line. Very odd. It, well, it was a but perfectly suited again it's another one of those things where you think of course they that could have not been there no one would notice no and often i don't notice normally no, no, never noticed it, it before. normally you just hear the main line the thing is it's great i'm glad they put it in but where do you stop you put that in then then someone goes oh well if you're putting that wobble in no but the ethos was you you don't do too much, wasn't it? Yeah, don't do too much, but just do enough. Just do enough, yeah. Get it to perfect. Man, Suck My Kiss is a... It's up there as And well. of course it ends abruptly. Hmm. What, what a tune, what a tune. As we said, it ends abruptly, end of the album, end, uh, end of the end of this album. End this of the side. End of the side. Yeah, an incredible side. And I guess that must be the end of this episode. We will say... God. Yeah, you can. Sam's brought Les Miserables. That's nice. Keep going, I'll do a social service. If you want to get in contact, bentanzomusic.net is the website. bentanzomusic at hotmail.com. Email in. Email in with your thoughts on Blood Sugar Sex Magic. At University RHCP is on Twitter. It, carry on. Insta. University Speaking RHCP Pod. 
So please do crack on and please leave a review on uh, Apple Music or your podcast of choice. It does make a difference, I'm told. And we'll just leave you now after talking about Bloodshot Sex Magic for the past couple of hours with a wonderful performance from my brother, whom I love deeply, Mr. Samuel Donovan Townsend.